For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. Hi, everybody. This is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles Stories of the Supernatural. And I hope you enjoy this new show, whether you're viewing it on the internet or listening to a podcast version of the episode. I do want to thank you for being part of my audience. You can also find links to videos or podcasts on MiamiGhostChronicles.com, as well as where you can submit your story about any eerie experiences you've had which I would love to hear about. Just go to the Submit Your Story tab. Please subscribe to our channel so that you receive notification of when we release a new show. And find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. This is where I usually live stream and where I give you a behind-the-scenes look at locations where new episodes are being filmed at. I also tell you about all the interesting guests that will be appearing soon on Stories of the Supernatural. I hope you enjoy the show, and I think you are all wonderful. This is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles, Stories of the Supernatural. How are you all doing today? Well, I'm very, very, very good because of the guest I have. And this is a lady. She is one of my peeps. She's a paranormal investigator. She's also an author. She is um, She's a co-author of a new paranormal mysteries, uh, one of them titled Legacy of the Cross and Legacy of the Horsemen. However, she also has nonfiction work having to do uh, with paranormal work since she's been a researcher for, and I was already at least 20 years, but I think it's going to be more like in the 35 years. Uh, she left her job as a paralegal to be a full-time 
writer and pursue other interests. Uh, she's actively out in the community performing investigations and educating the public in regards to paranormal activity. She also speaks extensively throughout the country, educating people in the paranormal and promoting her books. We were already uh, talking before rolling that some people, yeah, they do need a lot of education when it comes to the paranormal. She lives in Michigan with her husband, two dogs, and three black cats. And I was already introduced to one of her black cats who decided to make an interest. <laughs> it was great. So how are you today, Debbie? I'm great. How are you? Fantastic. Well, anyway, um, I was going to ask you what I ask all my guests. Uh, how did you get in? How did you get interested in the paranormal? Did you have an experience as a kid, as an adult? What happened? Um, I've been able to see and communicate with spirits as long as I can remember. And my first encounter was with a young man named Nathaniel who lived upstairs in my great aunt's house. Um, It wasn't used as living space. It was storage and it was wonderful to play in when you were a child. Mm -hmm. And um, he was my first best friend. I mean, we just played and played. He um, he was born, he, he died in 1853. He was uh, mentally challenged. Okay. And back in those days, they were kept away from society. Yeah, yeah. And he moved into my aunt's second floor when his house, three doors down, was torn down to make way for a gas station. Oh. And did anybody become aware of... Your ability to do this as young as you were, it sounds like? Well, you have to remember, it was the 60s. Uh-huh. They weren't accepting. No. So I learned very fast that unless you want to be dragged from psychiatrist to psychiatrist, it's okay. just not to tell anybody. It's um, like, uh-huh, okay, yes. What what you can do. And I'm sure it alarmed my parents because I was adopted, and they probably thought, oh, my gosh. Oops. <laughs> yeah, oops. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, and you know what? And you're absolutely right. It's incredible sometimes how young or how quickly children learn. I better not talk about that again, okay? Because you learn very fast. Yeah, yeah. What you thought? What you think? Everybody else can see or hear? You find out not not everybody. I always thought, you know, why can't anyone else see and hear these people? Mm -hmm. I have no problem with it. You and, know, and it took me a while to realize, oh, wait, no one, no one I know can do this. Right. So I kept it hidden for years all through high school. I mean, imagine being able to do that in high school. Yeah. High wow. School isn't hard enough, right? Yeah. You do, especially fact, when, be, best, when you're that, that friend, age, you definitely do not want to be the odd man out. No. My best friend didn't know what I could do until my first book came out. <gasps> You're kidding. Not even your best friend? No. Wow. You were like, forget it. I don't, I, I don't want to find out the hard way that they, my friend is not going to be as understanding as I would hope. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because it was nothing that came up when we were young. You know, it was the 70s. So let me ask you, did, uh, this entity, did you just see him at your aunt's house when you would go there? No, he, he wouldn't even come off the second floor. He would stay on the second floor. Okay. Stay on the second floor. Um, there was a stairway, and if you looked one way, you looked into the dining room. The other way was a hallway that went down to the bathroom and the bedroom. Uh-huh. And every once in a while, I'd see him peeking around the corner. 
okay. to see what was going on, but he wouldn't come down. And then, um, you know, my aunt died. My dad sold the house. Okay. And when I was getting married, my husband and I were looking for a, a place. Mm-hmm. And the people who had bought my aunt's house, and my aunt had told me when she died, I was 15, that I would have her house when I got married. Okay. And I went, okay, you know, I'm 15. I, yeah. yeah, of course. Well, the people that, uh, about two months before the wedding, the people that bought the house called my dad. They were getting a divorce. My dad bought the house back and sold it to me. <gasps> wow. So Incredible. the first thing I did when I got the keys to the house, I ran upstairs to see if Nathaniel was there. Uh-huh. And I made it to the top of the stairs and around the corner. And then I was enveloped in a ghost hug, which is kind of like walking through jello. Okay. So he was there. He was there. He was happy to see me. I was happy to see him. Um, we must have spent two hours just talking, catching up. Um, okay. And then, you know, I had kids, and my son would start to talk to them. Oh, so said, your oh, son, okay. And I said, it's, it's time for you to go. You okay. know, it's not fair to keep you here. You've been here long enough. If okay. you go into the light, you'll be healed. Okay. And he you did? Need, you need to go. Well, it took a while, and it took me calling a couple of my guides over okay. to help them make the transition. And then a few years later, when we moved out... I was the last person in the house making sure everything was out. Mm -hmm. And I was coming out of my son's room when Nathaniel was in the hallway and he was whole. Okay. Okay. And he said, hi. And I went, hi, what are you doing here? He goes, I just came to say goodbye. And thank you. It's different. It's a different thing. It's not, not bound here. I'm just stopping by to say goodbye. I'm stopping by to say thank you. Mm -hmm. And I said, you're welcome. And he said, I'll see you again. I said, I know. He goes, but not for a long time. And I said, okay. And, um, you know, he, we always used to go, love you. And he went like that. And then he was gone. What do Debbie, why do you think he was stuck? There was because he didn't understand when he died, what had happened to him or was it fear? he He was dead. He was afraid to go because he was afraid he would be ridiculed and bullied like he was when he was alive. Oh, my. He didn't yeah. understand that right. he would be made whole once he went into the light. Okay. And even when I told him that, as long as we had had this relationship, mm-hmm. he didn't quite buy it. So it took a little while, and my, my guides helped, a couple of my guides helped, and I was just so glad that he made their I mean I, I missed him but it was better for him of course of course and and you know we'll talk about it a little bit later because um I think sometimes some of these places that they don't realize that to keep that that haunted uh I don't know that haunted uh reputation of a certain location if it truly is haunted you might be actually wanting to bind a human soul or a spirit to a place that that's not really the best place for it. Not ultimately. No, no, you know, and he left, I mean, yeah, there were three more he left behind, Mm -hmm. but they had crossed and they had, they came back every once in a while. But that's different. It's almost like they had, that was, that was a choice. Yes, exactly. That was a choice. That was a choice. They come back. Like it was relative. 
I'd smell my aunt's perfume around the baby's cribs. Okay. You know, so I knew she was just checking on the babies and then right. she was gone. Right. And, you know, that's what I tell people, you know, once you've gone on and you dropped off that ego part of you that that we all have when we're in a human body, you you know, you come back and check on your loved ones, for example, but you're not stuck here. You know, you know what? Right. Like wanting to, uh, you're not going to see them every day, single day, all the time because they kind of know you need to do your thing there. You know, I can't be, you have to make your choices, you know, that free will kind of thing. So, yeah. Yeah. You have to make your choices and, um, you know, just because they're on the other side mm-hmm. doesn't mean that their soul still isn't ascending. Right. Yeah. They're doing their own thing. They're doing their own thing. You know, like I can imagine my dad, you know, had a tea time. It's already right. set up, you know, yeah. there's buddies that are up there. So uh, I'm sure he's having a blast. <laughs> which is what, you know, really, which is what we all, hope, you know, hope for as far as if you, you know, if you want to, let's say, go with a concept of heaven that each of us has their own version of heaven, depending on what makes you happy, you know, and yeah. it's like, uh, you know, it's, it could be like, in infinity plus infinity as to each person's version of what would make them ultimately happy. But right. uh, yeah, I, I, I believe that, yeah, sometimes a lot of uh, spirits that are bound are because of exactly what you described. They're afraid of something. In this case, he sounded like he was afraid of reliving what he had experienced. Right. But yet I find too that sometimes the people that are left behind Mm-hmm. are grieving so much that they inadvertently hold that spirit here. Yes, yes, yes. And that's the hardest one to deal with. Yes, because they want to console that loved one that's left behind, especially if they're saying things like, don't leave, I want you to be here. You know, a, a lot of the right. things that people say when they're grieving, when the pain is fresh. And yeah. uh, and that's the hardest one to explain to people because they're, yes. you know, in the grieving process. You know, but um, that's a hard one. Yes, it is. It is, especially you know, when something is very, them, uh, Look, you know, I understand you're in pain, but you can't hold the spirit here. He, They must move where they're supposed to be. Exactly. And you'll see them again. Mm-hmm. But and you need to let them go. Exactly. That sometimes is, well, in the case of, you know, when you ask somebody, do you truly love them? You know, it's like that's that's what you want, and it's very, I don't know it's a very difficult thing, especially when somebody's suffered a recent loss of somebody that's very close to them. That's a difficult thing, but doesn't no, but it's not saying not to grieve. It's it's you'd be surprised go. how powerful your words are uh, yes. to that spirit that might be hanging out a little bit, wanting to comfort you, wanting to leave, but at the same time seeing you distressed. You know that person distressed that they that they stay behind. It's a hard situation. It's a very hard situation all the way around. So you here you are, did you moved out of the house and then what happened after that? Did you luckily because I have a feeling though that maybe you found the ghost already living there, but I have a feeling you, you probably have some of them that f- follow you around just because you're psychic. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, but I've learned um to kind of figure out what frequency they're they at they're at. It's kinda of like a radio frequency. Right. They're either going to operate very low or they're going to operate very high. Mm-hmm. So I've learned to adjust my frequency to keep most of it out. So right. like right now, the only thing that could get through would be 
a spirit that needs tremendous help. Okay. Or one that's one that's very powerful. Okay. They're so, the only ones that could get through. Right, like that. That uh, and yeah, but of course, it sounds like you really learned how to manage something that you learned throughout the years. Yeah, I mean, I had a I had a very good mentor who lived in uh, Wales. Okay, and because I think that a lot of people don't realize that when for the for the discarnate that wants to uh, get a message through, they don't care about your personal life or about your timelines or about your privacy or about your body space or they just want to like get through. Yeah. Well, I, I use the analogy, um, you know, like in the summer when you turn a light on outside at night and every bug in three counties comes toward that light to them, <laughs> people that do what I do, we're that light. Yes. So if I don't, yes. if you don't learn how to block it or at least regulate it, you're going to be claustrophobic. It's yes. going to be too much. It's just too much. And Debbie, one of the things I think that sometimes people are also unaware of is everybody thinks that, you know, you're going to go to the haunted place to find the ghosts, but they don't realize that there's a lot of discarnates out there that are not bound to a place. In other words, they're all over the place. They're all over. And, you know, it's, it's, it's not that hard to distinguish for me. Like I generally know, okay, this one belongs here. This one's just here because I opened up. Okay. Right. And, um, because when I go in to a place initially, um, I drop all shields. I drop everything wide open, wide, wide open. Because mm-hmm. then I can absorb all that energy. And then I just start to adjust to get right. rid of the static. Mm-hmm. And then I can focus on just what's in, in that house or that building or that church or that restaurant or, you know, wherever I am. So was there was there an event... Or what happened that propelled you into going into into investigations and research? Um, I think it was just a natural curiosity. Okay. You know, because then when people started to figure out what I could do, mm-hmm. or if I heard about a place, you know, like the main catalyst, I think, um, when I was in college, I um, had a psych professor that was a parapsychologist. Oh, it's the okay. first time I'd heard of a parapsychologist. Okay. And I had an 8 o'clock Monday class. And he'd come in some Mondays and he'd be all hyped up because of an investigation he'd done that weekend. And he'd tell us about what he'd done. Uh-huh. And he came in one day and he held up a picture of this house. And he said, we were at this house. And I fixated on it, and without even thinking, I got up and I took the picture and I held it. I told him everything he needed to know about that house. And he must have been, "Hey, you got to come I with me on my next, yeah, my next investigation." I told him about suicides. <gasps> oh. I told him about the spirits that were there. I told him about a negative energy that was there, and I literally cleared the classroom because people were freaking out. I bet. And he just sat down. He goes. Oh, you are so coming with me. <laughs> I was about to say, didn't he drag you like you're coming with me next next time I'm going there because you're going to be my human barometer and you're going to you're going to give me the scoop on what's going on. And then, you know, when I worked with him, it was like just give me an address or or come pick me up, don't tell me anything about the place, mm-hmm. don't tell me mm-hmm. where we're going. I don't want to know anything. Just pick me up. 
and or I'll meet you there. Just give me an address or pick me up and take me there. And the only thing you need to do is feed me afterwards because I'm going to be really hungry and really tired. <laughs> it's like, what was it, like Popeye, like wimpy and, you know, like give me a cheeseburger and it's all good? <laughs> well, you know, when you're in college. You know? Yeah, of course. I know. I know. It's like, yeah, back then. So I was like 18, 19. And that really solidified it for me. Okay. So I was about to say, because a lot of times it happens like that, that you, you, do that case where or the, or that somebody comes to you for help in this case it wasn't that he needed the help in a way he did but not really he wasn't a family or, or no because he knew what i was telling him that's what freaked him out because he didn't it was like how could she know there was no way she was going to know that that day i was going to walk in with a photograph of this house and, this and i was case. giving him names i was giving him right you exactly. know this is what happened there and what happened and, in the uh, case? I'm curious to know. Did he ever go back or what happened with that? We went back. He took me back. Um, went back the next weekend. The house was empty. Okay. And um, I remember walking up to the house and the energy was so bad. Okay. And I remember walking up to the house and I put my hand on the doorknob. Okay. And everything... Do you wonder where your food comes from? More and more people do. America's corn farmers work hard every day to grow a crop that you can be proud to serve your family. And they're doing it with an eye towards sustainability, caring for water, air, soil, and resources that fuel healthy families and more sustainable products. Take a look to find out how farmers in rural America work to make life better for all of us, from cities to their rural communities. Learn more at ncga.com. NCGA, a commitment to the future went red then it went white what and then I just like <gasps> pulled my hand off and I literally just dropped to the ground and he's like are you okay I said just leave me alone for a minute just someone needs to open the door <laughs> okay so I found you know I mean it was 19 is the first time I'd really used it like this. right right and I didn't know what to expect. I didn't so you know got like I... the double barrel uh, welcome there. So yeah. let me ask, let me ask you, do you think that, because a lot of times, you know, people think about it. Was it what the events that happened there made it feel like that? Or was there something already there that was a catalyst that made all these bad events take place? Like an, an unusual amount of tragedies, in other words. No, I think it was just, I think what I felt was, a lot of residual energy from all the bad things that had taken okay. place there. Okay. And I think that it was just one of those tragic families. Okay. Why well, had always been that one family that had had suffered all these uh, misfortunes. It'd been one family. Okay. Um, you know, the last one had died. Okay. Or was elderly. And for some reason the house was being sold. Okay. And when the family or whoever had gone in to start clearing out the stuff, okay, all a bunch of really bizarre stuff had started to happen to them. I don't remember all the details. It was eons ago. Okay. But um, that's when they got a hold of this guy, and it was empty. It was like okay. It was pretty much empty. There were a few pieces left, only because they had been so frightened to go back in. I bet. You know, I mean, I wasn't real thrilled to be there. I'll tell you that much. That was only you know? for a little bit. But I was so young and I'd never really 
stretched my abilities like that before. So it was all new to me too. And then that's when I realized I got to learn how to control this. Right. Or if not, forget it. I'm going to be overcome. Yeah. And is that when you started, you went out and you tried to find a mentor or somebody that could help you with that? Actually, I found the mentor years later. I was, um, I mostly did a lot of reading, Mm -hmm. um, you know, try to figure out what was going on. And then I just, I put myself in places that were haunted or had some type of energy. Okay. And I practice. It was a place I felt kind of safe, like, okay, I know there's nothing bad here. I don't know how I know there's nothing bad here. Mm -hmm. I just know there's nothing bad here. So I put myself in positions to where I would practice. Okay. So I kind of learned how to control a lot of it myself. Okay. But I didn't find my mentor until I was in my 40s. Okay. Okay. So um, So you were like, do it yourself, (laughs) DIY. (laughs) (laughs) I spent a lot of time at Greenfield Village, which is like this historical, Mm -hmm. you know, place by us, like the Henry Ford Museum and stuff like that, because there's a lot of energy. (laughs) And I don't think they liked me very much. Why? Oh, because I went on, like, there's all these old houses, like Thomas Edison's house is there. Okay. You know, all these historical houses and everything. And you go on this little tour, and the docents take you in the house, and they say, (laughs) Well, this is how it looked when he was living here. And I'm like, let me guess, no, Debbie. Really, it wasn't. <laughs> you make them look bad. It's a... No. He never okay, that. I get it. I Now I know why. <laughs> they didn't like it because you're making them look really bad and inaccurate. I could see what the place, it's, it's called psychometry. Mm-hmm. I could see what the place looked like when he did live there. Okay. You know, and, um, yeah, I don't think they liked me very so much. So when they saw you, they're like, she, she's back again, darn it, no. You're going to be historically accurate, be historically accurate. And if you want my help, I'll give it. But Right, I mean, let's face it, most people on those tours had no idea that what they were saying was accurate or not, except when you were taking the tour along with everybody I mean, else. I had known I wouldn't have either. Like, oh, this is cool. Yeah. You know, but in my head, I'm seeing how it was, and I'm going, yeah, not so much, you know. Yeah, like, <laughs> Boy, did you rain on their parade. <laughs> I felt really bad, but I'm just like, well, if you're going to be historically accurate, be accurate. Yeah, yeah, especially like, yeah, I know what you mean exactly. Now, before we start recording, and, and it sounds like you, like, it's everything, it's, it's, a, it's, and, and that, this is why I tell us also a lot of people, because, you know, of course, this thing with, paranormal investigations and ghost hunting, all this becoming so mainstream reality. I say, you know what the truth is? You can read all the books you want. You can look at all the TV shows you want. But nothing replaces field work going out there. No. There's no no shortcut for it. You know, you think you're scared watching Paranormal Witness? Yeah, walk into some of the places I've been. I'll show you fear. Oh, yeah. But you got to do it. It, There's like, there's, it just... You can't like say, or people that think like you said, they've read, oh, I'm ready now. I can do it. It's like, not really. No. No. no you can go out there. It's, there's no shortcut for that experience. And, and people and, always ask me, how do I be a paranormal investigator? I'm like, hook up with a team. 
Yes. It's a reputable team. Reputable. And I'm glad you pointed that out. It's been doing this for a while. Yes. And see if they'll take you on and train you because nothing can prepare you for what you're about. Yes. Yes. I mean, even the most seasoned investigators, including me, I still get scared. Yeah, of course. You have that mo- those moments of like, what? You know, um, I'll freely admit it. I still get scared. You know, I, I've known of a lot of groups that have lost members because they've had a real genuine encounter of some type. And it doesn't really, I've had, I've heard of somebody being like tapped on the shoulder and that was enough. She ran out of the house, hyperventilating had to be taken home. Yeah, I mean, they, they don't, I think somewhere deep down inside, they don't think it's real. Yes, exactly, exactly. And then they have a real encounter, and yeah. they're going, whoa, back up the bus. I didn't sign up for this. Right, exactly. You know, I mean, when I was on, on a Black River Paranormal, mm-hmm. uh, the head of Black, one of the heads of Black River Paranormal, um, he's more scientific. Okay. You know, he's he's our science guy. He's Okay. You know, well, you know, we have ley lines running through here. He runs the equipment. He um you know, I mean, he but he believes, but he he's kind of a little bit skeptical too, which right. is good. Which is okay. That's okay. You know, no, I mean, I like that because sometimes it it grounds me. Yes. Well, you know, it, it, me step back and look at things differently and I like that. Well, the thing is, you know, as with any type of scientific approach, the whole basis of science is that you need to be able to quantify whatever it is that you're trying to prove, which is where what we were talking about earlier, that now they have all these different equipments. I mean, you name it just to gauge EMF readings, uh, recorders. Temp- I mean, they've got a gazillion cameras uh, because, of course, like you said, I don't see anything wrong with the science part of it. I just think, though, that sometimes the supernatural is sometimes too fluid and unpredictable to be able to catch it. That doesn't mean, in other words, when they can't produce proof, that doesn't mean it's not there. There's nothing there. Exactly. And I think that that's sometimes where the problem comes in. I understand the skeptical part because God knows that there's a lot of things that can happen that has absolutely nothing to do with the paranormal. Oh, Tons of you know, and if Tons you're going to go things. down that thing, and as a matter of fact, what we were talking about earlier, which I wanted to bring up when we talked about the D word, which is overused, the demon yes. word. And I, I wanted to talk with you about that, Debbie, because you made mention, which I agree totally, that not only do some people get all excited, like, yay, it's a ghost that some of them want. A what? A demon. It's like, it's like, why would you ever want one? Why would you ever want one? Because this is I, not they like... They don't understand. Like, take like the worst haunting you've seen on mm-hmm. one of these reality TV shows. Like, yes, the worst one you've ever seen. Multiply it by 100,000. It's a haunting on steroids. Yes. And um, it, it it's dangerous. Yes, it is. It is it's, dangerous. It's so dangerous. They can kill you. Yes. And sometimes they're not bound to like, oh, you're going to leave the house. It 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 could uh, it it goes follow with you. you. Yes, it, yeah, it could follow you. Um, you know, the <clears throat> after my encounter, um, I learned one thing. It taught me. It taught me many things, but one thing it did teach me that 
no matter where you are, no matter where you go, you have nowhere to run. Yes. Yep. Exactly. Because I've, I've, I've marked you. I know you. You know me. I can find you anywhere. Yes. And it's time is not linear, not the way we think of it. Like if I leave the building or I go to another yeah. city. You know, and one thing I, I learned about them, and I think I put it in my book, Something Wicked, um, they have rules. They have one rule. One rule only. And they must follow it. And they do, religiously. Um, they must be invited in. Yes. But they take it very literally. And some people are very foolish. Well, like let's say you move into a home that you just purchased. Mm-hmm. And you there's a spirit there and you think it's a ghost. Right. Okay. Because it's not really doing much, but you know it's there. Mm-hmm. If you don't leave immediately and not come back to that demon, you've accepted it into your life. That's how literal Right. And you might be thinking, I didn't invite it, but it's almost like... The fact that you didn't leave... Right. You accepted it into your life. Right. It was like, you don't say anything, and I'll take that as a yes. I mean, as a ghost hunter, um, from a ghost hunting perspective, Mm -hmm. um, like if you go to a place you haven't been, and you run into one of them... If you leave and never come back there, you're good. If you leave and go back, that you've accepted it because you know what you're walking into. So let me ask you, is that what happened with you, Debbie? Or how, how did this occur? No, I wish it was that easy. Well, yeah, kind of in a way, I guess it is. Um, with me, it was this big old mansion. Uh, abandoned mansion. Actually, it was an abandoned. No one was living in it. It had been gutted. Okay. People were going to restore it. They ran into some problems. Um, they moved out. Okay. Um, a friend of mine knew the owners, and I had heard about this house in town. I just, I hadn't lived in the area very long. Okay. And I went to um, a historical candlelight walk, which turned into a ghost walk, which made me very happy. And you were like, yay! Yay! Ghost! <laughs> and, um, they were talking about this house. I didn't know where it was. I mean, you know, you get me off the main road, I'm lost because it's mm-hmm. a totally new area. And I met my friend, my friend Linda there, and um, she said, "Oh, I know the house. Come over tomorrow. I'll show it to you." Okay. So she gave me directions, and um, I left my house, and I'm going down this road. And all of a sudden, thank God there was no one behind me. I literally felt like I had run into a wall. Really? And I slammed on my brakes, spun my Jeep almost all the way around. <gasps> and I'm like, what the hell was that? And I look up and there's this huge mansion. Okay. And I went, whoa, what kind of energy is that? And I'm like, I'll figure it out. So I left and went over to my friend's house. I told her what had happened. She goes, yeah, that's the house. One of those robber baron mansions, like Victorian type of things? That oh, were... it was a big Victorian mansion. Right. It was like beautiful. It was the uh-huh. original footprint was uh, 3,000 square feet. Wow, that's huge. An addition had been added. So total it was 6,000 square feet. Wow. Um, she said, that's the house. And I'm like, you got to get me in that house. So uh, we drive back over to the house. And we walked around the hole outside. And uh, I walked up to the front porch and I put my hand on the doorknob and something big growled at me. Oh, oh, oh. And I oh. went, 
do they have a dog? <laughs> You're just like, had... let me make sure before I jump into the... And, and, and she goes, no. And I said, oh. well, something, a really big dog just growled at me. She goes, there's no dog. So we started looking around like we're the neighbor's yards. Uh-huh. There's no dog. Warning number one, blew it okay. off. Okay. Right. Went in the side door, which is the addition. Energy was fine. There was nothing there. I crossed the threshold into the original footprint. It was a whole different world. I literally had to hang on to the door jams. Wow. And I heard this voice in my head go, welcome home. We've been waiting for you. (laughs) And I went, really? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So we're walking through the first floor and on the, we're going toward the front of the house on your right, there are two parlors separated by pocket doors. Gentlemen's right, parlor right. Yeah, I remember parlor. like those. Yeah, those receiving parlors. Yeah. So I walked into the one parlor and I could feel something coming up through the floor. Just the energy coming up through the floor was just outrageous. And I'm like, what is that? So my friend called me up and I go, okay. So we go up to the second floor. It was okay. We're on our way up to the third floor. She goes, oh, yeah, be careful when you almost get to the top. Something tries to push you down the stair. And I went, cool. So I head up to the third floor. I'm three stairs from the top, four, uh, two stairs up to the top. I'm hanging out of the railing because I've uh-huh. been warned. And I feel the hands. And then I see the entity. And I went, back off. Okay. And this entity, it was the son of the original owner, James. He um, scurried off into the third floor. Well, then he got curious because someone could see him and talk to him. He hadn't oh. talked to anybody in 150 years. Okay. So my friend Linda's taking pictures, and in every picture there's a mist behind me of this man. Wow. Um, he's following me around like a little puppy. Yeah, I was going to say, he wanted like... Communicate. Yeah. So then we went down to the basement, and when you go down the basement stairs, there's all these rooms, little rooms, and they're all concrete floors except for the one on your left, which is a dirt floor. Okay. It has the furnace and hot water. It's a huge rectangular room. Okay. So when you walk into the room, you're actually at the back of the room, and then it goes forward toward mm-hmm. the front of the house. And I saw a hole in the wall, I think, went under the front porch. Okay. And I go, I wonder if whatever growled at me lives in there. Oh, because it was right there, right. I see what you're saying. That that porch. It was right under the front porch. Under the front porch, that door, that front door area. Yeah. So I go to walk toward it, and I felt this energy coming. I have never felt anything like this before, and it literally pushed me against the back wall, and just kind of held me there. Like I could, I couldn't even see it, which freaked me out because normally I could see what. And you were I, like. I couldn't see it. And I couldn't even sense it. Let me it tell you something. With... I, beware of basements, man. I don't know why basements are always like whatever's there. And you were so like. Finally, I, I kind of forced my way out and I went and I'm not ashamed to say it. I went flying up those stairs. I bet he was like, out. yeah, okay, whatever it is. I don't want to know any more about it. Thanks. And I was just like, whoa, because nothing like that's ever happened to me before. Okay. And what did your friend, was your friend, she must have been wigged out looking no, she's fearless, right? She doesn't have a, she, she, 
doesn't have a psychic bone in her body. She can't feel any energy. Okay, so she's, she's like, a- "What's wrong?" And I'm like, "I I couldn't even put a sentence together." <laughs> so yeah, ignorance is and bliss I kind said, of thing. This is nuts. Nothing's chasing me. I'm going back in. Oh boy! So I went back in. Went flying down the basement stairs. Took one step in that room and went. This is not a good idea. I just walked out and went back upstairs. Okay. Well, then I got curious. I needed to know what this thing was. Okay. I never went into a demonic before. Okay. So I thought it was just like a really ticked off spirit. So let me ask you, just out of curiosity, was the son of the owner, had he by this time like backed off like, oh, she's going to the basement. Forget that. I'm not going down there. He very rarely came out of the third floor. Oh, so he stayed up there. Okay. Okay. So, um... I said, I got to figure out what this is. All right. Because I've never felt this before. So, uh, you know, I kept going back, kept going back, kind of poking it with a stick, trying to figure, I did everything wrong, trying to figure out what type of entity this was. Okay. And it would react a little bit stronger every time. And I'm like, ah, but I'm learning about you. Okay. And I had a friend online who was a demonologist. And uh, he was online one night. And I said, hey, I got this house. And I'm telling him what happened. And he goes, um, sweetheart, that's a demon. And I'm like, oh. And he goes, don't go back there. Leave it alone. And I'm like, okay. So what did I do? I probably went back. I was about to say you didn't listen, right? (laughs) I really got to (laughs) know. Because like you said, at that point, you were still underestimating what was there. So I uh, went back. And a few times, you know, nothing really happened. Kind of left it alone. And then one night, my friend Linda and I, we always went out. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network Verizon. Best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined. Not specific to 5G networks. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by root metrics for the 16th time in a row. Proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network. Verizon. Best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined. Not specific to 5G networks. We take pictures and uh, we, I was on my way to take her home and we stopped by the house and uh, she's taking pictures and when you pull up by the house you see the side of the house. Okay. And um there's two windows on the top floor. Okay. On the second floor. And between those two windows was an upside down pentagram of fire. What? And I said, Linda, do you see that? She goes, see what? I said, you don't see that? She goes, no, see what? And I told her, she goes, I don't see it. And I was literally nauseous. Like I was ready to puke. The energy was so bad. You were the only one seeing this? And this beast came out of the fire. Are you kidding? Oh, look, the hair on my arms is standing up. I looked at her and I went, run. And she went, why? I said, just run. 
talk about that horror movie moment, except <laughs> it's not a movie. Yeah, just trust me on this. And so I took her home. I ran home. I found my friend online. I said, I saw it. And he goes, you saw what? I said, I saw the demon. And he said, what did it look like? And I told him, and he goes, hang on, let me look it up for you. So he looked it up, and he comes back. He goes, um, that's Amon. Wow. I said, okay. And he goes, Amon is a lower prince. He commands 30 legions. There's 10,000 demons per legion. Do the math. Oh. And I went, oh. <laughs> okay. okay. So he's got reinforcements. Okay. <laughs> I'm a little outflanked. Yeah. Well, while all this was going on, um, now this is over a period of over a year. While all this is going on, all of a sudden I have this gray wolf showing up in my house. Really? My dogs see it. I see it. It lays under my desk. It lays on the floor. It lays on the stairs. Not all the time. It rides in the car. Okay. And I'm like, okay, I don't know who you are, but okay. Well, when this thing started to attack, this gray wolf showed up, and he was protecting me. He was that was me. was that your totem? I don't know what he was. And then uh, it started to attack me in my house. It attacked me three times. So all now, of a sudden, you didn't have to go over there anymore. No, it was coming to me. What do you and think? I said, I make what do you think it was after that moment that you saw it? Do you think that that was when it decided? okay, like, I'll take you up on the invite? I think so. All right. And uh, so um, <laughs> I uh, had to come up with a way to get rid of it. Okay. I'd never done this before. Sure. You know, so I got a hold of my mentor. I got a hold of uh, my friend. And I said, how do I get rid of this? They're like, look, you got to figure this out by yourself because this is personal. You have to figure it out. You're you know, like, you, thanks. You <laughs> so I came up with a combination of uh, candle magic, Wiccan. Okay. Uh, look, little Christianity thrown in. I think I'm going to cover all the bases. Okay. And uh, next time it attacked, I, I, I heard it come in the house. Like I felt it. Okay. And I'm ready for it. And I'm right in the middle of this ritual and I stopped. And it looked at me, and I looked at it, and he goes, you stopped. Like, I couldn't see it, but I like, knew it was there. Right. In my head, I heard him go, you stopped. I went, yes. And he goes, why? I said, because if I get rid of you, I'm no better than you, and I'm way better than you. But let, let you know, next time, I will not be so generous. Okay. And what happened? And that was it. Wow. And what do you think? Was it something that was invoked over there at that property? Or was it there before? It's hard to say over there. I mean, it was Victorian times. Their mm -hmm. parlor games had to oh, do with... With spiritualism and all of that, yes. Spiritualism and all that. Um, you know, when the son of the original owner was alive, when James was alive, he was not a nice person. Okay, okay. Um, yeah. You know, because I noticed... It was investigating that house. When you went in the addition, um, there was nothing. It was a neutral zone. Okay. So that told me this, this since this didn't acknowledge the addition, I knew the addition was put on in nineteen early 1900s, like 1905, okay. 1909. Okay. So I know this thing was there before that. So it had to have been there 
when this family owned it, the original owners. Okay. Okay. So, um, the house is, uh, house is torn down now. And, um, when they tore it down, they filled in the basement. They didn't take it out. Whoa. (laughs) There's now, I don't know, four or five houses on the property. Makes you wonder if they've had any experience. They're close to the street. I know they hit the basement wall. Mm-hmm. So they were taking basements. I walked the property and I saw some of the field stone. Okay, there you go. And uh, from what I hear in town, I've never seen it, so I can't swear to it. Some people say that they still see light shooting out from where the basement of the Hathaway house used to be. Let me tell you something. See, that's that's the thing. Sometimes when people move into brand, what they think is brand new property, it's and then they get a new. big giant surprise. Like, hello. So, I mean, I've walked the property before people live there. I didn't feel it. You know, but you got to figure that house was empty for a long time. It was torn down. Houses weren't built for three or four years after that. It had nothing to feed on. So do you, that family that had it right before it, that you came in, did you ever find out if they had had any experiences and that's why they they said for a ton of them. Okay. They had a ton of them. I think that's kind of what caused the divorce. In other words, it was so, right. Okay. Yeah. I've heard of that happening before. Where? Yeah, I think that this thing, you know, at first I thought maybe James didn't go into the light because I thought maybe this thing was holding it there, holding him there. Right, That's I, I, that thought crossed my mind when you were talking about that. But that wasn't the case. After speaking with James extensively, um, he was afraid of judgment. Oh, he's one of those. Okay. He's one of those. And I know his daughter who uh, died very young. She was 20 years old. She'd been married three months. Okay. Um, she died of an illness of one week. Wow. Um, I know she had been back many, many, many times to try to convince him to go. And if his daughter can't get him to go, yeah. I, I'm, I can't. Okay. So it was it was a judgment thing. Yeah. It's like all Plus of a sudden, were, they, um, they, they, especially back then, there was a lot of that heaven and hell. There were, yeah. Plus, there were two wells on the property. Oh. One by the front porch. Yeah. And well, actually, one like the basement would have been here and the well was right here. Mm-hmm. So it didn't. And there was a big cistern and a sealed room. And uh, yeah, it didn't take too much to figure out how it got, how it got in. Yes. Yeah. And people so, don't realize it's not that the the building of the well or anything is bad, but you have to know how to do it the right way. Yeah. And, um, you know, for the for the era the house was built in, spiritualism was a pastime of the rich. Yes. It was very popular also. Yes. So I think that's what drew it in. And ever since all that happened, I have never seen that gray wolf again. Wow. So I don't know whether the wolf was the demon but why would it protect me or whether it was a totem or a guide or mm-hmm. something i know that's... I, have, I have never seen it again that is wow yeah and that's what kind of got me interested in working with not with but working investigating cases where there was a possibility of a darker entity 
Right. And that's where I was going with this because we talked earlier, like you get the people foolishly sometimes who think, oh, it's a ghost or, oh, it's a demon until the reality hits them. And then there's the people that just, they fall into it, in other words. Or sometimes they stupidly invoke it or go someplace underestimating it. Or like you said, they don't, they want the thrill, but they really don't believe it's going to happen. And then they find out when it follows them home or there's a million ways if you think about it that right you know you have you have you know kids you have teenagers are playing with the ouija boards dabble and stuff also that you know they're doing or they think they have a ghost well, let's try to communicate with it mm-hmm. not even thinking that it yeah it might have started out as a ghost but now that you've tried to communicate with it you've opened up this portal and yes all this stuff anything can come through and, and good luck Yes. Get rid of it. You know, um, do I have a Ouija board? Yes, I have a Ouija board. Do I use it? No. I have to be really careful and know what you're doing. You do. And I, I know what I'm doing. I just don't use it. But I also don't get rid of it because I don't want it to end up in a place sure. where it should. Sure. So yeah. I just keep it. It's in a box. It's box and it's put away. And, you but know, it's there. that's going to that's going to kind of be it you know that's where it's going to stay and it's fine so debbie what you're telling me is that you end up a lot of times being what the cavalry yeah kind of <laughs> it's like yeah, I'm kind of the, help, I'm kind of the help. you know um i have a lot you know some teams that you know get a hold of me and go hey you know we did this investigation mm-hmm. and we have this entity and this is what we think it is and Okay. You know, I talk to them and I go, yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. You know, well, you know, you think you could? Uh, yeah. If they're local. Yeah. I'll, I'll go. You know, cause now that I have this, now that I have this ritual down, I know it works. Okay. Um, um, I know it works well. Um, sometimes it's like using a sledgehammer to kill a cockroach. Hey, but it's I a cockroach. Yeah, it's a cockroach. That's right. Those things will survive a nuclear holocaust. So, yeah, yeah. That's right. Cockroaches can walk around without a head or something like that. I don't know. Right. Not... So, um, yeah. So I don't do it a lot anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I have a couple of cases right now, as we were talking about earlier. Yes. Yes. That, that you know, we were talking they're local about. And, um, you know, they're in the area and they've read my books and. I don't think it's anything real bad, um, at least not yet. Okay. But, uh, you know, I was only out there once. We didn't even do an investigation. It was just to meet with the neighbors and mm-hmm. figure out, hey, what's going on? And, um, you know, at first, at first I was going to, you know, chalk it up to the history of that area, the 15,000 years of history in the area. Okay. But, uh, that I was thinking about it the other night and I went, you know, I think it might be going by water. Yes. And uh, I was talking to my partner. We went out to dinner afterwards and uh, I said, gosh, this is almost like Shepherdstown. Okay. Right. Exactly. uh, Yeah. That, that, that Shepherdstown after a while, they figured out that. Yeah. Underground caverns Mm -hmm. and tunnels and stuff like that. And then, uh, that night I'm laying in bed and I'm thinking about it and I went, oh, yeah, you know, maybe it's coming by water. 
So that's my latest theory that I need to. And it's just because of what? Because it's being, there's different people in the area reporting it at different locations or more than one family? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just this small little subdivision. Okay. And it's just so localized. And it's like just weird things. Like there's been, you know, two suicides and there's three suicides. Okay. There's been fires. There's been, you know, people moving into this one house and like, they're either getting divorced or they okay. turn into alcoholics and then they move and then another couple moves in, they seem fine and then boom. Okay. So it's just like all these things happening all over the place at different times. And I'm like, you know, you're not going to get such a high concentration in such a small area. It's got to be one entity. And, um, it's really close to this town that I do a lot of investigating in. Okay. And I always keep saying that the whole town is haunted. Really? Yeah, I'm sorry. It's okay. Don't worry and, about it. Um, it's dawned on me that um, I've been thinking for years now, 15 years now, that, you know, there's got to be like one entity kind of just now i'm gonna ask you this if we're really if, if you're correct and you're believing it's one entity are we talking here something that's non-human i don't know i don't I'm or an elemental sure is it i mean let we don't even have to go with a d word it could be could it be an elemental of that i don't think it's it could be a water elemental given where it is okay um i mean you know, this town's right on the water. Okay. This subdivision is right on the water with canals behind all the houses. It okay. goes right out into the lake. Um, I haven't given much thought to what type. I don't, I'm not going to go with the, with the big D yet because mm -hmm. I, I don't have any evidence to support that. Right. Um, and well, the things that happen in this town aren't catastrophic enough. Okay. The hauntings aren't severe enough to even remotely fall into that category was there i mean i don't know how does this subdivision or was there a triggering event where then all of a sudden all these experiences started being reported or has it just been happening for years and years and years I think it's been happening for years um you know the subdivision hasn't been there in relative terms all that long okay Maybe 50, 60 years. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I'm just starting to trace back uh, that property. Okay. You know, to see. I mean, I know where it was many, many years ago, because our area wasn't even discovered to the late 1700s, except by okay. Native Americans. It was okay. Huge Native American population. Um, okay. Lots of villages. Um, one archaeologist has even gone as far to say it's like they came here to bury their dead. Okay, that's very possible, yes. Um, I know some of the burial grounds that were excavated, and, and one, I, I know of one where they were replaced, two of where they were reinterred. Okay. Um, the archaeologists did that. So we're digging up some skeletons that had almost like belts with skulls on them, like trophies. Whoa. Remember, this can go back 15,000 15, years. Well, you, well, 
they had uh were were any of the tribes there were the mound builders uh yes we had a, not big mounds we had little mounds little mounds okay most a lot of them buried just underground right. we had a combination of both because our area was almost like a little neutral zone. We had like Potawatomi, we had some Ojibwe. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, it was almost like a neutral ground and because of the hunting and the fishing and the land. And once a year, I know they used to, all the tribes around, would you all converge here for almost like a day of the dead celebration, would bury their, bring their, Okay, so another right, right. Yeah, it's um, there's just a lot here, you know, and um, the reason why I ask I you, and because, and I don't know if you want to research it because some of the this is pre, it was natives, Native Americans, or but pri prior to what we now know as more modern tribes. Right. And I know that there were some, um, I, I want to say it was the Cahogas or something that did do some type of human sacrifice. Okay. Yeah, I got to research and see who was in the area because, I mean, I know it goes back like. Yeah, it was know, like. 15,000 years and it would have been way back. And there's, there's books at the Historical Society that just right. haven't um, delved right. into yet. And the, and the reason why I bring that up is. Um, you know, a lot of people sometimes think whether it's Native Americans, well, you know, different civilizations that if they ever practiced human sacrifice, sometimes you think of it as they did it to prisoners of war, for example. But they found in uh, some um, some of the, well, archaeologists I've dug up where, for example, and they, they think that this usually would happen like when there was something stressful like droughts or pestilence that they would sacrifice uh, the, right. you know, their I mean, own people. Yeah, I mean, much as the Mayans did. And... Right, you know, they didn't have the pyramid where they would, like, take out the heart, but they would uh, they would do sacrifice because they were, like, trying to figure out what's wrong. And, of course, uh, no, the, the, and the reason why I say is that, I mean, dead people, you know, all the different, uh, whatever your civilization is, you know, you take care of your dead different ways. But... Right. As far as the feeling, though, of a sacrifice victim, that puts a whole different feeling on it. Yeah, I haven't, you know, I, I've investigated this town so much. And you know what? Um, we did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. 
over here in Florida, there's, you know, we have Lake Okeechobee, which is a huge lake. Right. And I was reading that around the turn of the century, when they started like farming around the edges and fishing it, uh, fishing on it, they say that the fishermen would bring up just skeletons and skulls and skulls and skulls. They said that it looked like a, like a pumpkin patch. And um, they dated them like these were pre, this was, this was prior to, they think some of the Tequesta Indians. It was like, in some cases, even prehistoric or, you know, BC, uh, as right. far as some and of the then, tribes. Yeah, and, and that could very well be here. And what they, they're thinking, of course, is that for them, the lake was like a portal into the other world where they would put their dead there versus the burying them or some type of other that that's why there were so many of them because they from what i understand there were hundreds of them and that that would make sense so yeah i mean i just met with these people this past weekend so it's still fresh and young and uh yeah and you you're 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 cooking it right you're like (laughs) but uh let me ask you yeah you you know i'm supposed to be writing and i'm uh well you you know know, my brain's working on this sometimes you got to percolate things in your head yeah, so I'm just like letting it settle for a few days and um, doing other things. And Let me ask you, Debbie, have you ever had the experience where you have been called in on a case, but before you get there, whatever is there tries to scare you off? I haven't had it try to scare me. What's happened? You know, I get impressions. Okay. Um, of things. Um, I haven't had it try to scare me off. It usually doesn't try to scare me till I'm physically there. Okay. So, um, but I get like impressions. You know, I get like little. Okay. Little flashes of pictures or. You know, so that that, that, or, that to get you ready for. And let me ask you for for the for those paranormal researchers, ghost hunters out there, what advice would you give them if they ever go into any type of investigation where at some point they start recognizing, hopefully that they might be dealing with a non-human or the D word demonic entity. What, what would advice would you give them retreat and reconnoiter or what? Retreat, regroup. Okay. Um, Don't go right back in that night. Okay. Like retreat, go through your evidence, do your research, consult with whoever you need to consult with and come up with a plan before you, you know, go back in. Like I always, my team and I, we have a code word. Okay. So, you know, that's. Um, And if I feel something dark or something's not right. Okay. I will just very quietly over the, we all have walkie talkies. Mm-hmm. I'll just say the code word and immediately, no questions asked, everyone's outside. Okay. And then I go, okay, here's what I think. Here's what I'm feeling. Here's what I think we're dealing with. This is what I want you to watch out for. Watch out for thoughts that aren't your own. Okay. Watch out for emotions that aren't your own. Um, be careful. Don't go anywhere alone. Okay. You know, if you go into the bathroom, if you have to go to the bathroom, go to the bathroom. Make sure you're who, whoever you're partnered with is standing right outside that door. Okay. 
Have you had any of yeah. your members ever been jumped, like, and taken over, like, one of these momentary? No. No. Um, we never had that happen. Um, <laughs> not that funny stuff that like, doesn't happen. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, um, we used to have this member, I won't say his name because I don't want to embarrass him, but um, um, he was kind of a big guy, tall, you know, and um, not heavy, but kind of a big guy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he thought he was all that in a bag of chips and, <laughs> okay. uh, you know, big, tough, mighty ghost hunter. And we were doing this barn, historic barn that was um, inhabited by an elemental. Ooh. And uh, I didn't know it was an elemental at the time. I didn't know until late, much later than when this happened. Mm-hmm. But the guy whose barn it was raised thoroughbred racehorses. Ooh. And um, he had another barn for he kept his horses in because his horses wouldn't go into this barn. It was a historic barn. Okay. So uh, we go in this barn, and uh, I sent this guy up into one of the lofts, and it's pitch black in there, just unbelievably dark in there. And okay. I sent him up to the loft, and uh, my partner and I were in this, we're on the first floor, we're way on the other side of the barn. Uh-huh. And we hear this almost like a roar. I hear this guy scream. He is down the stairs of the loft. He is out of the barn. <laughs> and my partner and I, we walk out of the barn and we look and so where do you think he is? And he goes, probably halfway home by now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I believe it. <laughs> he was just outside. Um, he's like, did you hear that? We're like, it was one of the horses. There's a stall with a horse. Oh my God! You're right kidding. Behind the barn, <laughs> oh. there's a horse in it. There's a outdoor stable. There's a pregnant okay. mare in there. It was a horse. Don't worry about it. That guy, and he grew wings on his feet, goes, huh? And he goes, "That wasn't a horse." I'm like, "I know." And uh, <laughs> <laughs> that is such a great story. But the, yeah, the guy who owned the barn, his son played in the barn all the time. Nothing ever happened to him. Uh-huh. He had an automatic pitcher, pitching machine upstairs uh-huh. in the loft, and there's a window up in the loft. And he used tennis balls. He used to practice. So we all were outside in the barnyard, and this thing is shooting tennis balls over our head. He's not <laughs> aiming for us. He's shooting <laughs> under the, into the trees. And so raining down like you know apples are just raining uh-huh. down. Balls raining down out of the sky. I'm laughing. I think it's hysterical. I'm telling you. And uh, it wasn't until much later in the night that um, we figured out exactly what it. Well, actually, it wasn't until a couple weeks later we figured out exactly what had happened in that barn. Um, what we figured out was um, through historical records we could document it. Uh, this barn was a stop on the Underground Railroad. Okay. Now, when Doc had, um, he was a doctor that owned it. Okay. Um, he was digging, the barn had a dirt floor. He was digging a trench to put in water lines. Okay. And um, when he dug, he dug up two small bundles in old blankets. He unwrapped one. They were babies. <gasps> oh, my Something God. Wrapped him and threw them 30 feet across the barn. He reburied them and, uh, my partner happened to be one of his patients. Mm-hmm. So we got in. And uh, so what we found and figured is that 
some people on the Runaway Ground Railroad, two of the women had probably had babies. Okay. Or twins that were stillborn. Mm-hmm. And they buried them, and because of hoodoo or voodoo, they probably summoned a an elemental, which we yes. would call it. Yes. To watch over the souls of these babies. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, an elemental, it's not good, it's not evil, it's neutral. It has no moral compass the way we, you can't right. bargain it with it either. What its mission is. Yeah, exactly. You know, and its mission was to protect these yes. these babies. Yes. So that's why it acted so violently because it was trying to protect these babies. Yeah. And Doc had had a couple other teams in there before us, and they went in with the intent to get rid of this thing. No, there was and, it was a sentinel. It was invoked as a sentinel. They had stuff thrown at them. Oh. I mean, all holy hell broke loose, and I knew that. So I said, okay, here's how we're going in. So yes. I walked in first. I said, look, here's the deal. I'm not here to get rid of you. Okay. I don't care that you're here. I just want to know your story. And you could feel all the energy in that barn just go, Okay. And then it started to play with us. That, that it was playing with us all night. Like I'm up in one of the lofts and I'm looking across at the other loft. Mm-hmm. And I see the dark outline of a person standing next to me who I think is my partner. And, and I went, hey, did you? No. It was. Whatever. It, it, it got me three or four times that night. Wow. And it was just playing. It wasn't because it didn't feel threatened. Okay. And we were having a blast with it. I mean, we were just having a blast with it. And uh, so we told the doc, don't don't dig in that barn. Yeah. Don't put horses in there. Your son's fine being in there. It's a child. This thing is set to protect children. Right. It's not going to hurt him at all. And it never bothered the, the young man, the right. son. And so now he just uses it as a workroom. He doesn't even. No problems then, right? No problems. You know, they coexist. Perfectly, yeah. um, the spirits of the family that lived in that house uh, are very active in the house. Okay. But um, no, as far as the barn goes, he just uses it as a workroom, and he always, when he says when he goes in, he always says, "I'm not here to disturb anything. I just need to get some work done. I'm just going to be in this little area." Right. And he stays away from where. The babies are buried, and he never has a problem now. So yep. it's just a matter, I think, of you know doing your research, figure out what happened there, and then you know nine times out of ten, there's your answer. Then you just got to figure out how to deal with it. Right, and you know, and I'm glad you point that out because you know I've had a lot of conversations with people where sometimes they've called in groups paranormal research groups that actually make it worse because of yeah. exactly what you described they go in there like with a preset of how they're going to handle it without ever really finding out first what is it that's actually there or what happened right you know so um you know i i tend to go in very softly mm -hmm. and then if it escalates i'm going to escalate at the same level right but first, you wait to get there and find out, what am I dealing with? Yeah, what am I dealing with? I mean, generally, I have a pretty good idea from talking to the people. I have them keep journals, write down everything that happened. Okay. You know, so um, I kind of have an idea before I even get there. Okay, I think I kind of know what this is, what right. I'm dealing with. 
And um, then when I walk in, I'm either confirming what I think or I'm going, oh, no, that's not it at all. And then, right. you know, we're, we're walking through the steps. And, my, you know, my team knows, you know, walk softly, talk softly. You know, don't escalate unless this thing escalates. Don't provoke. Yes. Yes. You know, I'm not a big provoker. Mm. You know, I'm not going to um, go in there try to provoke this thing because there's no need for that generally. I've heard a lot I of mean, bad yeah, outcomes out of people provoking. Yeah, I, I remember one time distinctly where I provoked. And what happened? Um, I had to get, I was doing it to get the reaction. Okay. I knew it was a human spirit. Okay. Um, I pretty much knew it was these people's landlord who had passed away, who'd not been a real nice person in life. Okay. I know this person did not like women. Ooh. One of those. One of those. So he was, he's the one that was hiding in the attic. And okay. uh, so I went in, yeah, I provoked him, you know, what's wrong? Are you afraid of a woman? Aren't you going to come out? You know, you're, you'll push these women that live here around. You're not going to come push me around, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I provoked him. And, you know, and then I figured out he was in the attic and I'm like, I need to get up there. And they're like, well, it's screwed shut. And I said, we'll get a screwdriver. Cause yeah, that's where he's I'm at. Up there. So uh, they unscrewed the opening hatch uh -huh. and pulled the stairs down and, I just went up to the top step because I wasn't going to fall through the ceiling. Right. You know, and I had a tape recorder with me. Okay. And uh, camera. And I took some pictures and I'm taping and uh, I'm like, you know, are you here? Um, what do you want me to do? You know, that kind of thing. Just right. a couple questions. And then I came down and I played it back and, uh, you know, are you here? You know, Gordon, Gordon is here is what I got. Wow. And that was and the guy's name? Said, uh -huh. And I said, uh, I don't know what you want me to do. And he went, die. Oh. Oh. And I went, mm, yeah, no. <laughs> no. And uh, uh, this is one funny. of those cases where you use the ritual that's using a sledgehammer to get rid of a cockroach. Okay. Because he wasn't going to leave on his own. Right. And these poor women, these were older women. They were being pushed and shoved and bruised. And Let I'm me like, ask no. you something. Had they um, screwed in the, the entrance to the attic because it wasn't safe or because at some point they thought it was up there? No, just, it was to, just keep it, to, to keep it securely it shut. Out. Okay. Yeah. They didn't know it was up there because to them it had been where they are. Okay. And they had like bowls of salt everywhere, every religious symbol you could possibly think. They had Bibles open. They had like, man, whatever it is. I mean, they were armed to the teeth. <laughs> yeah. And did they ever so, find um, out if um were they the only ones to experience something like that there? Yeah. Wow. Because they they lived there since before he died and I was about to say that as far as the timing on it. Okay. Yeah. And uh so as I'm doing this ritual, you know, my partner films everything mm -hmm. and his phone goes off, his text thing goes off. I'm like, look at my way. Seriously? <laughs> hey, and he pulls out his phone and he goes, 
I don't know who this is from. I don't recognize the number. I'm like, what does it say? And it goes, it says, I'm leaving now. What? Are you and I finished up the whole energy in that house changed. Yeah, it's just a little text of I'm leaving now. I'm telling you. Did you do like a double take? You must have been like, no. <laughs> Tell me that. No, no, no. You're messing with me. He goes, no, look. <laughs> oh, wow. And then after that, they were good? After that, they were good. That, that's sometimes what it takes to heave yeah, home out the, the front door, metaphorically yeah. speaking. Like. You know, I mean, I walked into this house and it was like, whoa. Yeah. Yes. Well, but see, they thought they had a demon. I bet they were probably scared witless. Well, but in this case, they had good reason to think that. Why? The guy was that dark? No, because long time ago when they were young. Oh, here it comes. Long time ago. There had been a satanic cult that operated in the area. We'd always heard rumors of it. We never found it. We never, like, there was never really any proof that this cult even operated out there. It was all sub subjective. Right, right. And um, I'm talking to these women, their sisters. Okay. And I realized they had been part of that cult and they had left the cult and been converted. They converted to Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. So they had every reason to believe. No wonder. There was an inhuman in that house. They had every reason to believe it based on their past. No wonder. So basically, you got it confirmed that that cult had actually existed. It wasn't any more like the urban myth kind of thing. Like, it yeah, how much of this is myth. true? No, it wasn't an urban myth. Oh, wow. But it was way back i mean not yeah but again when we spoke about this when you're talking something like this it really doesn't matter when we're talking it doesn't matter so yeah in their minds i can see how they would think this is what they have based on their past okay and the one thing i always tell my team i always tell new ghost hunters you cannot go into a client's house or a place of business or wherever it is you're investigating and Use your reality. Mm -hmm. You have to go in and use your client's reality. Okay, because re perception is reality to these people. So if they're super Christian. Yes. All right, I have to operate within that reality. Sure, of course. If they're atheists. I have mm -hmm. to operate in that reality. Yes. So you always have to find out where they're coming, where these people are coming from, and then you operate in their reality. Even if yes. you don't agree with it, even if you don't believe in it, right? always operate in their reality because unless they believe, your client believes 100% in what you're doing, no matter what you do, it won't work. Right. And their perception is their reality. It's is their reality. And so it has to be your reality while you're working yeah, with Yeah, a professional investigator knows how to suspend their, like you said, their personal, whether it's their religious or spiritual beliefs, whatever, whether to say, I got to put this aside if I really want to help this person. Right. And I have to operate within their belief system. Yes. Yes. And that's what we do. And, Even but, if we don't, you don't know, always and, agree with it, but I have to be there because... No matter what I do in their house, of course. if they don't believe in what I'm doing, it's not going to work.
For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined. Not specific to 5G networks. They're the ones that are going to stay there, living there, or live there. Yeah, they're... Right. I don't live there. They do. Yes. So I can imagine no wonder they were like thinking, wow. And it was just a really dark human spirit that, like you said, had been a jerk. Right. But to them, because of their past. Oh, of course. They saw it through the lens of, oh. Yeah. So in that case, I didn't operate in that reality. Mm -hmm. I said, look, it's really your old landlord, Gordon. And once I laid out what I had picked up and everything, they went, oh, my gosh, she's right. It is. And they were so relieved. You could see the relief. And then I go, well, can you get rid of him? Yeah, him I can get rid of piece of cake right yeah so and it was um, i i, I want to say they should have been relieved definitely like this is yeah. this is much easier to deal with right right they could deal with that but in that case i had to bring them into my reality mm-hmm. number one to put their mind at ease and did they and- did they ever uh debbie confide in you what happened that they at some point decided no, to break I, away I from that Okay. No, I understand. Because um, it just didn't seem appropriate. Okay. No, I understand. I totally understand, especially when I it mean, comes they to confidential. I volunteer. I mean, I never even mentioned the cult, but it became obvious from what I knew. Right, from beforehand. From beforehand, and some of the things they said, it became obvious to me that they had been a part of that years and years and years ago. These women were well into their mid to late 70s at this point. Okay. So do you... I was not going to let these women live in this house and be harassed by something I could easily... Of course. And let me ask you, do you think that uh, the rumors of that cult, that that, do they still exist or it was just something that happened? I know, no. I think a long time ago they were gone. Everybody went their own way and... Yeah, I mean... Every once in a while, you hear something, but I don't put much. No, I don't much. I don't live that far north, and I don't really put that much stock into it. Okay. Now, now I think maybe it's a lot of its kids that have heard the or the legend, and yeah, are messing with something they shouldn't be messing with, you know. Yeah. So yeah, eventually you'll get some call one day. And oh, when you start, you know, you know when you start later. talking, when you start asking those questions, like, where did you go? What did you do? What did you do? Who when did, did you this see? start? 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, eventually I'm going to get that call. And yes, um, that's exactly how it starts. I'm just going to have to resist the urge to just walk up and just slap the crap out of them. Yeah, it's like, all right, yeah, it, you know, yeah, unfortunately. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think they're operating anymore. I haven't heard anything. Mm-hmm. I know. been pretty calm. Well, you know, I know that some places, for some reason, depending on what happened there or because, like you said, certain like locations, if there's ley lines or something happened about certain places that um, some, I'm not going to say occult because there's a lot of occult practices out there that are not necessarily satanical, but for some right. reason they just hold power. So certain groups, whatever it is, if they're trying to do some, any type of invocation, they like to go to this certain spot. And a lot of times it's lost on everybody that's side of it, why there's a special a significance about certain places. That's yeah, why I asked you. Know, you. And, and I think that with the town I'm dealing with, and uh, nothing really bad ever happens. Mm -hmm. It's like this little small town on the lake. It's, it runs three blocks. It's got one stoplight. I mean, okay. it's, like... it's this awesome, cute little quaint little town. Nothing really bad happens there, but stuff happens. So... Well, with me, it's like there's just layer upon layer upon layer upon layer of history. Right. And you know, as well as I do, sometimes it's even what, what happened on the land. That's sometimes. Right. You know, I mean, you know, once the area was being settled, the Native Americans rounded up, they were put on reservations. Some went on mm -hmm. the Trail of Tears, some went right. somewhere else. And um, it was once a big shipping port. It's not even remotely close to that now. But right. in its heyday, it was a big shipping port. You yeah. had it's coming in and out yes um it's just layer by layer by layer of history and after a while all that just builds up and yes people don't realize when places that when you have a lot of transients that's why i say sometimes hotels railroad depots shipping ports whatever they they get a lot a lot of drama plays out over the years in these places yeah you know train stations you know um all the hotels burned down except you know um years ago wow uh, the big hotels that were there they're no longer there yeah uh, the historical society is actually housed in uh one of the small eight room used to be an eight room hotel really in wow. a bar it's now the um historical society museum wow so... and uh, it's haunted i mean it's nothing bad is mm -hmm. there you know it's um there's a very playful little spirit, little girl. She hangs out in the one of the bedrooms upstairs. It's done as like a Victorian, almost like a child's room with okay. a bed, a dresser, and there's antique dolls in there, like things that she would recognize from her era. From her area. Um, you know, she's a little mischievous. Uh, the wife of the original owner, she when he he died very young. They opened in 1881 and. He died when he was 35. Wow. And uh, his wife stayed on and ran the place. Even though she wasn't allowed at the bar, she still ran the place. Okay. She makes her presence known. Emma makes her presence very well known at times. And, yeah. uh, you know, like we close for the winter because uh, we do renovations and, okay. you know, stuff like that. And so she's pretty active right now because things are being moved and, okay, you know, but, um, <laughs> The museum board, I mean, they're they're really good. Like, you know, 
one of them will walk in and go, it's just me, Emma, we're just here to do it, you know? Yeah, oh, you know what, sometimes, and that's all it takes sometimes, believe it or not, so that, yeah, you know, we, it's we like... Interact, we, you know, we tell them what's going on and what we're doing. and Peaceful coexistence, it's like... You know, I mean, um, actually, we have really fun, not about the museum, but there's a cemetery out of town, and uh, Whoa. It is, it, cemeteries normally aren't haunted. This is probably one of the most haunted places I've ever seen in my life. Well, you know what? I t um, you know, a lot of times, and I've, not all the times, but you find sometimes close to the graveyards, they had what they called those unofficial graveyards, where they would, I mean, sometimes if you were a drifter, unknown, uh, oh, no, there was a, potter's field a prostitute, you know, sometimes they had to bury you, and they would sometimes, you know, because back then they even wanted to segregate the regular people. If, you know, if you were a proper person, you deserved a proper burial. Oh, no, no, no. The, the, they didn't do that out there? Field. This one had a potter's field. It did have a potter's field. Okay. It did have a potter's field. Um, we were actually in there one night investigating, and there's a, when you walk in the front gates, um, the road kind of goes like off the side, then there's a big circle. In the middle of that circle is a white building. Okay. It's got a bench around it. And uh, I'm sitting on one of the benches, and James is sitting next to me, my partner's sitting next to me. It's like 1.30 in the morning. You know, I'm trying to wrap things up, and uh -huh. uh, I look over toward the cemetery gates, and a Star Wars stormtrooper walks through the gates at 2 o'clock. <laughs> and I went, James, am I really tired, or is that a stormtrooper? And he goes, that's my brother. He had a Knights of Columbus Star Wars reenactment thing tonight. He said he was going to stop by, but I thought he You're like, Dan, I... I, I so, need to stop doing you know, this. <laughs> you just these dumb things happen, you know? <laughs> what a great stop. <laughs> it's like, thank God I'm sitting down, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, whoa, you know, I've been doing this way too long. You know? I'm telling you, yeah, that's like, what, what What happened to the Victorian gentleman or the lady in the big yeah. skirt? Now I'm starting yeah, to see stories. in that coffee, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you. That yeah, talk talk about that taking was, a double take like uh. <laughs> that was hilarious. That was I bet, just I bet. Especially like the timing, I'm sure was impeccable. Like you said, you're tired. It's well early in the morning or late. At, I imagine, and it's like okay, this is this let's, is you know, let's wrap it up. And you look over, and here comes this, and you're going no. <laughs> <laughs> that is such a fantastic story. Just really no. <laughs> no, this is like this. Is, that's a pretty solid-looking apparition there. Yeah, I do not need this tonight. You know? It's like, oh, it's it was like, oh my funny. god! It was, uh, it was pretty funny. We were in, uh, we were in another cemetery. James is a big guy. Okay. And we're walking, and I don't know. I wandered off as I'd have a tendency to do a little bit. Not too far from him, but I was wandering. And all of a sudden, half of him disappears. And I'm like, what the heck? I'm like, what happened? I don't know. I fell in some hole. I'm like, are you okay? Are you okay? He goes, I'm fine. I'm fine. Well, we're all laughing so hard. We're having a hard time getting him out. And he's a big guy. Uh -huh. We finally get him out. And he'd fallen into the remains of an outhouse. On remains of a what? An outhouse. Oh, my God. You're kidding <laughs> It was all dried up, so it had to be from like the 1800s. Oh like, my God! But still, oh, that's wrong. That's just wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I 
That's wrong. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I'm like, you know. Well. Uh... We've had, we've had uh, team members, you know, you see something and you run and you don't think. And you're, you know, falling over tombstones. You trip over tombstones. Uh-huh. You run into trees. Oh, yeah. Um, this particular cemetery is filled with, um, what's the trees with the acorn? There's oak trees? Yeah, uh, pines. Pine trees? A- acorns. Oh, the acorns? Uh, no, I'm thinking of, uh, I know what oak you're talking trees. about. Don't worry. I'm, I'm having the That's dead the zone tree. moment myself. Anyway, there's like, it's like a forest in there. Okay. And there's a bazillion squirrels. Oh, God. Everywhere. Black squirrels, gray squirrels, brown squirrels everywhere and we're in there hunting one day and i like to go in when it's still a little daylight because i want to get my bearings and walk around and get things set up okay and uh we're standing the whole team is standing like we can't everywhere in there you're basically staying under a tree Uh uh-huh these acorns kept on like bouncing off of us and we look up and there's squirrels up there with these acorns going bonsai oh you're kidding they're like kamikaze you know? oh, you're <laughs> and you're like what is this like well really you know and, yeah you uh, always think of the squirrels as being cute little like rodents like yeah they were bonsai us with pine cones and <laughs> acorns. it was really cute and oh uh, my God. every october i do a cemetery talk and there ghost stories in the cemetery and we do it on a saturday night in october and oh, uh not last year, but the year before, we had this bright full moon, big harvest moon. Wow. And we had bats. There's, you can see the bats in front of the moon. Wow. And Talk like, about oh, atmospheric. This is, this is perfect, you know. Yes, absolutely. I'm like, if you move, they will come after you. They go by sonar. If you stand. So everybody must have been like. When you see a bat, it only <laughs> makes them come after you because you're moving. Like, don't twitch. <laughs> Crouch, crouch down, sit perfectly still, and they fly around you. Some people, I'm sure, must have not have been happy campers. Or not. <laughs> they must have been. Well, they weren't coming down that low because we had tiki torches going. We had fire right, with a with a light. So they weren't coming down that low, but people were still looking because you could see them. But that must have been great. What that's fantastic, as a matter of and fact. Look at it this way, people. They're keeping down the bugs. Yes, that's well. That's what they're there for. That's why you're not getting eaten alive by mosquitoes. Thank those, thank those wonderful little creatures. Yes, absolutely. They've you got, know, they've so, gotten a bad rap when they're really yeah, necessary. Yeah, we actually caught a uh, full body apparition. Um, that during one of the talks, you you saw a full body apparition. No, we caught one on, on camera. Oh, you're um, kidding! No, my partner um, Kim, she was, uh, you know, I'm doing the talk and she's taking pictures of, okay. of, the, of the talk and you know she's snapping some pictures of the, some of the tombstones that are by uh-huh. there and uh, when it was over her and I went up to a couple other people I know friends of mine we went up to this little restaurant in town uh-huh. to grab you know something a coffee and or a drink or I guess you know something slight to eat right. and she's going through her pictures and she goes wow, look at that orb. And she turns her phone around. She hands it to me. I went, so you see the orb, but you miss the full body apparition standing next to it. And she's like, what? And she grabs the phone. She was like obsessed with that thing. And what was it? What did, What was What was it? I mean, what did it look like? 
It's um, it's on our Facebook page, uh, Shadow Stalkers Paranormal. Okay. It looks like uh, a man with like long white hair. You can make out like where his face would be, and you can see that he's wearing, you know, pants. It looks like a vest. And it looks like he's wearing some kind of like smoking jacket or mm-hmm. long kind of coat because it's like billowing out alongside of him. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I had her send it to me and I'm looking around so I could figure out where it was taken. And the next day, next morning, I went back um, with a couple of people from the historical side because we wanted to make sure like all the garbage, was, make sure there wasn't any garbage and mm-hmm. everything. And, um, I looked at where it was taken. Okay. There was nothing there that could have caused it. Like, Right. You went back there just to check to make sure that. Just to check. Okay. Is there like, because there's a lot of tombstones in there that are obelisks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And stuff like that. And like, okay, did we catch one of those? Is it a, did the flash catch a tree branch? Right. You so know. You, yeah. You eliminated all these uh, explanations tomb. for it. Yeah. I was trying to debunk it. And, um, I couldn't, I couldn't debunk it. That and is... coincidentally, it was right next to the obelisk of the original owner of the, that house's, it was his brother. I was about to ask you, was there any graves around it that, that could, that's interesting. Gilbert's brother was right by it. Okay. But I, I don't know if it was, if it looked like it was that era. But I mean, you know, it, there's so many people from that era. Barry, it could have been. Sure. It could have been anyone. Um, you know, the original owner Gilbert and his wife—they're not buried there anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, their bodies were disinterred. And what they moved their bodies somewhere else. By court order, by his daughter, and they—they uh, uh, they were dug up by the middle of the night. Grave digger was paid fifty dollars. He normally gets paid five. Wow! They pulled Gilbert's casket out. It fell open. He looked like he died yesterday. Oh, you're kidding! Um, they pulled his wife Abigail's out. Hers open. She was a bag of bones. James hadn't even had his mother involved. Wow! So the coffins were encased in tin. They were sent by train out to Adrian. I was going to ask you, why did she disinter them to have them sent out to a family plot? But why did she take her brother and his family, their family? So um, they were sent out to Adrian. They were buried in the city cemetery in Adrian. Well, Adrian started to get big. Mm -hmm. And so they disinterred all the bodies and moved them to a different cemetery. Okay. So they were originally buried in Oakwood Cemetery in New Baltimore. Okay. Now they're buried in Oakwood Cemetery in Adrian. Wow. Yeah. But that's, and see, that's what I mean that sometimes people back then, depending, really cared about what happened with your grave or being buried in consecrated crown and things like that. Uh, Yes, they really cared. Like um, James's daughter, Mabel, um, she was um, buried in a glass coffin, was Mm -hmm. rumored to be a glass coffin. Um, her tombstone looks like a bed. It's got like a headboard okay. with a name on it. It's got a round circle with a dove on the back. Okay. And then there's like little sideboards and then there's a little footboard. And uh, 
James had Lily of the Valley planted in it, which still blooms, by the way. Okay. And uh, some people say it's because he thought his daughter was poisoned. Oh, wow. Because she was an heiress. Because when uh, her grandfather Gilbert died, she inherited $25,000. She was only nine, so her dad would have been taking care of that money. And how old was she when she passed away? 20. 20. And she'd been married uh, three months. Oh, so this is the one that was buried three months. Yeah, Married three months, yeah. And, that's... and she dies of an illness in a week. Yeah, it could. She died be. on a Thursday. She's buried on a Sunday. Yeah. That could happen, you know, The as far as the poisoning and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but you got to figure it was 1881. Okay. You know, and I haven't done enough research over in Pawpaw to see what was going through. There could have been scarlet fever. It could have been. Yeah, also. Yeah, if you, you had know, those fevers. Uh, it could have been something that, you know, is easily treatable today. But back then, you know, it was the 1880s, you know. Yeah. Because and then people so, don't realize that back then. I mean, you realize that sometimes when you go to the cemeteries and you look at the dates. Yeah, there was these people that did live to be the 60s, 70s, and 80s, but the the average lifespan, I think, was like 50 or something like that. That. Yeah. If you were yeah. 50, you were really old. You were really old. Uh, yeah, and uh, James actually had rheumatoid arthritis, like his dad did. He was in a wheelchair at the oh. end. Wow. And um, he died of a accidental fall down the stairs out of his wheelchair. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Talk about yeah. Talk about tragic families, right? It was. It's very tragic history, and um, the funny thing about that family, for as prominent as they were, mm -hmm. and they were very prominent, there's no paper trail. Interesting. There's a few probate files. And that's it, huh? That's it. Like there is not a paper. There is. I haven't found it yet, and I've been researching them for 15 years, 20 years. Isn't that because see, and that's really unusual because usually prominent families did leave a paper trail because they had transactions, uh, different sales. They, you know, sometimes if you were nobody, it was easier sometimes not to leave a paper trail because right, nothing really but, happened. You know, there's fires, there's floods, yeah. there's, you know, records are destroyed. You know, oh, we don't need these anymore. Mm-hmm. But usually, uh, if if you had if you were some type of prominent family, they, they, you did enough things that that there's usually something. I mean, they, they did some good things. Like Gilbert, especially, he um, donated land to the German community in the area, in the town, okay, okay. Um, for a church. His only condition was that it be built to look like a New England church because he was from Massachusetts. That okay. church is still being used today. Wow. Um, when he died, he left money to build a school. Okay, so he was a philanthropist then. And, and um, his son, James, fought it all the way up to the Michigan Supreme Court and lost. Wow. And uh, they built the Hathaway Institute, which was a three-story school. It had an indoor pool. It operated until 1957. Um, wow. Um, it was the first student teaching school in the state of Michigan. So what happened? His son just didn't want any of that money to be donated. His son was not a nice person. From what everything I can find about his son, um, I found one old newspaper article that uh, said that when he died, no one mourned his death. 
Yep, that's a nice way of saying he was a nice epitaph, epitaph, isn't it? Yeah, that, that yeah. So he was a jerk. <laughs> that's it. I'm being nice about it. Yeah, when you start, yeah, when they start yeah, couching really, it like that, really yeah. Didn't improve with death either, so. Well, yeah. sometimes that, uh, yeah, it, it, it happens even among the best families where, you know. No, it, it is what it is. It just adds another layer of interesting. Sure. And what's so fascinating is that that family hasn't lived in that area since, um, well, James died, Evelyn sold the house a few years later. So they haven't really lived in the area since 1900. Okay. So they're, and they're still talked about today. Isn't that incredible? That's what That's I'm saying. That, that, they're they, still talked about today. People they, still speculate. Of course. About that family. Wow. You know, and yet the founder of the town family, people don't mention him. People don't speculate about him. But I think it's also what you said that when you have a family that all these tragedies befall them after a while, people start thinking. Because that's what people don't realize. Back then it was normal to die in the house and to have wakes right. in the house. This was the norm. Okay. Not like now yeah. where people die in hospitals and things like that. So that in and of itself doesn't mean you're going to have a ghost because that people were born in their house and people died in the house. Yeah. You know, Mabel actually died across state, but you know, she was brought back. But um, yeah, people died in their houses. They had wakes in their houses. They, mm -hmm. you know, someone sat with the body. Right. And it, that was the norm. It was, there was nothing, I want to say, spooky or this was just yeah. what it was. It just what it was. You know, there weren't like the funeral homes that there mm -hmm. are today. In fact, most caskets were purchased from furniture stores. Right. Yes. Yes. You know, I mean, you could have a guy that was, you know, ran a furniture store, was an undertaker. Yeah, was... I've, I've seen newspaper advertisements. The first time I saw it, I said, Wait a minute! They're having a wake. They were having a wake at the furniture store. And for me, that was like the furniture store. And this was a little town in Missouri. And I was like, and then I did a little bit more research. Like, yeah, this this did happen. Where, hey, you had to make money whichever way you could. So and that's how you did it, you know. Yes, and that's exactly how they did it. Well, Debbie. Yeah. So you know, history is interesting. Oh, of course. It... And and you know what? I tell everybody, uh, everybody is always thinking of the good old days and you'd be surprised what people got up to in those days. It's just that a lot of it never came to light or if you had a little bit of prominence, you could, or you had a little bit of money, you could hush things up. Right. You know, and I think that a lot of times um, some ghost hunting teams forget to look at the history. Oh, yeah. Yes. You know, you always got to look at the history. Of course. And you'd and be surprised sometimes what you find there. Place, but how many times is it, nothing really happened at that particular place, but the area around it is a nightmare. Yes. Yes. You know, I mean, especially if you get, you know, more toward the south where, you know, maybe nothing happened on your house or your house is, mm -hmm. but you could be living less than a mile away from a, from a battlefield, a Civil War yes, battlefield. Yes, exactly. Or, Exactly. You know, something like that. And, and all that bleeds that. over. People, yeah. People don't realize that in a lot of, despite what they say, 
And a lot of these battlefields, a lot of soldiers, regardless of whether they were Union or Confederate, were basically left where they fell. Left where they fell, right. Because... Number one, the body decomposed very quickly. Number two, we're in war. Sometimes there was no personnel to come and retrieve bodies and and take them off the exactly. field. Exactly. So, you know, um, I've also heard, um, especially out east, um, mm-hmm. some of the uh, Civil War hospitals were torn down. Right. And the foundation was, you know, nice limestone. And the foundation was taken out and used for other buildings. Yes, they would repurpose those materials. They would repurpose it. And people in those buildings report seeing, you know, Civil War soldiers walking through the halls of this brand new building. Well, yeah, it's all that residual energy from the stones out of that foundation. It's not the place that's haunted. Yes. You know, people are so quick to think that when they see a full body apparition, walk out of one room, not even acknowledge you and walk through a wall, that it's a ghost. No, it's residual. When that person right. lived there, when it was there, there was a door where it went through a wall. Well, the thing is also that people don't realize, especially war of all things. I mean, talk about intense human emotion, fear, a lot of fear, all that pain, anger. Yeah, uh, all that energy just gets compacted and compacted. and Yes, in a very uh, short period of time. You know, but sometimes you have people, like you said, that live like a really long time in a certain place and that blends into the fabric of the place. But when you're talking really intense emotions, like you would think of as in wartime, you can, you can uh, really imbue that, that place in a really short amount of time. I often wonder how, I mean, I'd like to go to one just to find out, you know, how like down at Gettysburg and some of the other battlefields, Mm -hmm. they do reenactments. Yes. Yes. I'd like to know how that affects any spirits or any residual energies there. I've never been to a reenactment. Of- I've ne- I've been to Gettysburg three times. Yeah, I've been to Gettysburg three times. I've never been there when they're doing reenactments. Um, I would think, despite I think what, uh, I don't know, sometimes it makes you think that it would stir things up, but it's hard to say how much of that what's left there is really residual versus or how much is, you know, because you always see here reports, especially like at Gettysburg of, you know, full bodies and this and that, but it just seems residual. A lot of it seems mm-hmm. residual. Right, exactly. You know, and I wonder if those reenactments kind of, well, spur that residual energy on a little bit. I'm like, sure it does because uh, I think just because of the energy, just because of the energy, because let's face it, you're, well, it says it's a reenactment. It's almost like. But, but this, but you have to think that if there's any, are any spirits there, they don't know what a reenactment is. They think the oh, no, of course on. not. And I think that accounts also why some reenactors have had these very intelligent type of encounters with spirits. Because right. at some because point, to them, we're still at war. Right, exactly. And especially things like on anniversary dates, like I believe in Gettysburg, it was in July, uh, things like that, that, yeah, I think timing has sometimes has a lot to do with it. I think also what you, is that reenactor, are they psychic? Are they sensitive? Do they have something that draws a spirit that otherwise might be like, oh, forget it. It's those guys shooting their guns off again to... Yeah. 
Even if sometimes I think if they look, if that person looks like somebody they knew. I yeah, think. but think how authentic it is, you know? Yes. The uniforms, the cannons, the muskets, the... Yes. You know, and the spirit he has no idea that this is just... It, it, I guess your question is, is this causing a lot of spiritual turbulence in a place where you would think, okay, one, there's either obviously going to be residual energy, or two, if there's intelligent <coughs> hauntings... Well, if you go out there, yeah, the town is there, but there's just fields and fields. Right. Are they just there? So is that like pumping more energy into that area? It has to be. I would think it would. I would think it would. I kind of feel sorry, to be honest with you, if there's, I went, I'm going to tell you, I had an, and I'm, because, and see, this is what we talk about expectations of when you go there. I remember one of the first times I went to Gettysburg, we rolled into town like really late at night. We had been driving all day. And we stayed at a, a small hotel that's right across the street from the Union Cemetery. And we called ahead and we said, hey, we're going to get there late. And we basically we got there, got the key, went to our room. And it was like, you know, those typical, it's, it, I, I want to say that that hotel, motel was built like in the 50s or 60s, something like that. One story. And it's that, you know, that small basic room with a bathroom and we kind of like threw our stuff there we were like and uh my uh my boyfriend he by the way he was a cop and he was very analytical and he poo-pooed all this stuff a lot right a lot. i'm married to an engineer okay he poo-pooed it like but anyway so we go in there and like i said i passed out i was like and i remember he kind of tried to wake me up in the middle of the night saying I'm hearing some noise in the bathroom. So I'm thinking he's, to put it bluntly, screwing with me, you know, <laughs> right. telling me he's hearing something in the bathroom. Like, yeah, in the bathroom. Right. Right. Sure. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had a dream and I know and it's and, it, and I that what was there. And I don't know if that was in the thing in the bathroom. I'll tell you what, what happened. It was a maid. <laughs> it was not a soldier. It was a maid. Okay. <laughs> And like, I want to say she was, she was modern. She was like the 1980s. Okay. I could see that though. Yeah. She came into the room. She's checking us out. So anyway, <laughs> the next morning I wake up and he's like all like all and I'm going, what's wrong with you? He goes, you didn't believe me. I go, what do you mean? I didn't believe you. He goes, there was something. He says, he swears. And that's what I'm saying from him coming from him. I believe it. He said he would hear yeah. some type of water gurgling or something going on in the bathroom of the room. So I said, well, and he says, oh, wait a minute. So I see him walk out and he goes to the office and the guy tells him, he goes, yeah, he goes, yeah that's one of our most haunted rooms. <laughs> but it was like, he comes back and he goes, the one time I tell you that I'm hearing something and you don't believe me. I go, oh my God, can you imagine? First of all, I'm tired, but you're telling me you're hearing something in the bathroom. I thought you were playing with me. I thought you were trying to make fun of me. By right. telling me you're hearing a strange gurgling sound in the bathroom of all places, you know? Right. And it's like, that's what I'm saying. My point is being that you go to these places like Gettysburg, which all you think of is that what you're going to see is soldiers, soldiers, soldiers. And there's mm -hmm. a bunch of yeah. people that lived their lives there, uh, yeah. you know, it's Civil War time you know? and after that, that had nothing to do with, uh, with uh, Gettysburg, with a war, anything like that. Yeah, that's because a lot of times, you know, I don't like to know too much about what's going on because I don't want to have those pre preconceived uh -huh. 
Yeah. You know, and everyone's like, I can't believe you haven't been to Gettysburg. I'm like, it's been done to death. Yes, it has. It has. It you has. Know? Well, don't you want to go to Waverly again? Done to death. Yes. That's the thing. That you it's... know, I don't want to go to those places. I want to go to what I call virgin hunts. Oh, they see. Yeah. Person after my own heart. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because after a while, a when one. you go to these places. A, I, yeah, I have a. I have one in uh, Iowa I'm dying to get out for. In Iowa. Iowa of all places. Yeah. Oh. Iowa. Let me tell you, I'm I'm a big believer that some places, these pe- these places that have this, like you said, that they've got a gazillion people tramping through it because it's gotten that reputation, that after a while, I'm not going to say all the time because without being there. But after but a while, if, it's just like, eh. If there was something ever even there, maybe somebody already moved it on. <laughs> you know? well, not even just that, but how much more do you expect to learn? Yeah, exactly. There's nothing more there from a paranormal researcher's perspective. Yes. To be yes. learned. Exactly. Really? And, I mean, I know, let's say, for example, someplace like Waverly. Um, I mean, there's so many people that go through there that... I think that if you ever really wanted to do a meaningful investigation, yeah, it would be take, one of the shows. It would take a little bit time. Nobody there, um, because I'm you sure that there is like, stuff. You know, you have to do like a lockdown. You got to be in there three, yes, four days. Yes, exactly. Because I'm and I'm I'm gonna go with the theory of what we were talking about originally. That probably whatever is there, probably makes itself scarce. Well, all those people are tramping around. Okay. Yeah. It's like, oh, really, another one? Yes, exactly. Um, oh, here they come again. <laughs> you know, yeah. or if they, you know, see someone who's really jumping, maybe they're going to have fun with them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, I don't want to go to those places. I have no. Yes. Inter- they've been done to death. I want the places no one does has done. Yes. And the truth is that, you know, a lot of these places, they have these uh, apparitions that they say, oh, it's this person or this person or this legend, which sometimes is not accurate at all. But chances are that nine times out of ten, you will never truly know. Because let's say, for example, a place like that. Yeah, they kept records, but a lot of times a lot of people went back and forth through there that there were no records of. It depends. There's a lot of reasons sometimes while a spirit will return to a location and not necessarily because it died there. Right. I mean, like a lot of times if you have someone that sees an apparition in a place and then, and it's happened, you know, before, you know, they're looking through photo albums or something. Oh my God, that's who I saw. Mm-hmm. You yes. Know, okay. We have some validation. We have some documentation. Yes. yes. You know, that that's okay. But that doesn't happen all the time. That doesn't mean it. You know, it doesn't mean that's not who it is, but it just doesn't happen. Yeah, all the time. You oh. know, so. Um, well, I, I, you know, because I've done some research. It's like, like you know, when they used to have those big uh, lunatic asylums. All these uh, people don't realize that. Besides the fact that a lot of times these people, you know, the families wouldn't come visit. Uh, back, you know, like a lot of them were started like uh, around the time of the Civil War. After the Civil War, people don't realize that. Uh, especially if there was no family to claim the bodies, they would give the bodies over 
to the universities yeah for anatomical research for study right people don't realize that a lot of people sometimes yeah, went just, through these uh, yeah yeah but i mean there's that there's yeah, very there's scarce a, records sometimes of really who was there throughout yeah, the years exactly yeah there's a couple places i'd like to you know go do that haven't been done and uh yes so are you well let me ask you are you working on any new project any new writing project I am, but I'm actually working on a mystery right now. I'm not okay. working on a paranormal project um, right now. Okay. Um, yeah, the last one I did was um, Haunted Anchor Bay, Michigan, and yes. that came out in October. Okay. So um, I'm actually working on a mystery right now. Okay. Starting a mystery right now and um, taking a break. Yes. You know, I mean, I'll still investigate, but um, only certain things yeah and uh i know what you mean it's like there's only so much you can do it's only so much i can do and um we did it again verizon was just named america's most reliable network by root metrics for the 16th time in a row proving once again that nobody builds networks like verizon builds networks that's why we're building 5g right that's why there's only one best network Verizon. Best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined. Not specific to 5G networks. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by root metrics for the 16th time in a row. Proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one Best Network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. I just don't think there's that much that can surprise me anymore. <laughs> you know? And it's almost like you're afraid. Well, I really don't want to find the thing that's going to surprise me at this point. It's like, forget it. <laughs> just leave me unsurprised. <laughs> Because it would have to be something real. Right, that's what I'm saying. It's like, do I really want to be surprised? Nah, I'll I'll pass on that. Thanks. My favorite thing is when people go, this is going to sound really weird. It's like, no, you don't understand. Weird is my normal. Yes, exactly. So if you hit me with normal, I won't recognize it. (laughs) Exactly. But still at the same time. Yeah, I mean, a couple little local things that, you know, I'm working on and, uh, you know, eventually I'll get out to Iowa to handle this one uh, wow. one thing I want to investigate. And uh, no one's ever done it. No one really knows about it. So, uh, oh, so I'm not even going to ask you what it's about or where it is or whatever. You, I don't want to ruin the... So it's, uh, it's like really good. And uh, actually, it's already out there, but no one knows it. Okay. Which is what's so funny. It's, uh, it has to do with uh, that one of the mystery... <coughs> One of the mysteries I wrote, though, yeah, Four Horsemen. Okay. The the Horsemen. That's actually not too far from. Really? Yeah. Okay. Because everybody, when you think of Iowa, everybody thinks of the Villisca axe murders. You know, it's like, that's what the poor, whenever you think of Iowa, haunted Iowa. There's an awesome hobo cemetery out there. (gasps) Oh, you're kidding. No, but they still bury hobos, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah. God. Yeah. 
That would be so interesting. I mean, remember, it's the Wild West. Yes, you know? it is. People you know? don't, That's what I'm saying. People don't realize that back then, if there's especially a, uh, when it was a, a frontiers a town, line. they had to yeah. bury you somewhere. If you didn't have a family, especially if you had money or anything, they just like yeah. chuck them in there. There's a there's a gypsum gypsum mine that I had a cave in many many years ago. There's still two about two in there. Wow. Got out. Um, and what happened? These were people that were going out to the work at this place, or just the... yeah, they were in the mine and there was yes. a cave in, and they couldn't get you out. Wow. And uh, you know, so there's just a lot of cool places that uh, yeah. See, see. That's the interesting stuff. That right there yeah, that you're describing. Like, you know, what I want to do, if I could have my dream trip, it'd be <laughs> jump in an RV and travel to all these little towns and just talk to the locals, find out their local Yes, yes and it, it, it's exactly. Find out the local folklore and then mm-hmm. just go dig in and see if I can find it, you know? Yeah, and there's a lot of stories out there like that that are real of things that have happened that <coughs> it's just. Yeah. For some reason, some places, like you said, get all this focus and all this attention and everybody knows about it. And I'm thinking to myself, God, there's so many places out there that are probably have more disturbing so events, uh, so more to discover. And it's just because they're all looking in the wrong places and everybody just concentrates on these few places that get the notoriety. Yeah, the penitentiaries and the old asylums and, yeah, uh, you know. All these places when a lot of times if you just look in your own backyard. Oh, yes. yes. You know, you just, you know, look at the local folklore and mm-hmm. legends of an area. You know, everything has a little grain of truth. Well, you know what I found that a lot of these, uh, like either see their frontiers town or sometimes even when they were having some type of project of building, you'd always get a lot of transients look, going to these places for work, like laborers. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these people, um, they would die and they didn't have family. You know, they didn't have nobody to ship them. And if the people around there, the the community had to bury them somewhere, but it was like as cheap as possible. Like they, and sometimes they would, like you said, they would make unofficial graveyards like, okay, well, we'll just bury them there. In the meantime, we got to do something with them, you know, but they didn't want to be put out. Right. This was somebody yeah, they didn't know. There's there's still burials in this hobo cemetery. Wow. That is and incredible. Hobos. I mean, they literally are, are hobos. Did they have a hobo camp? Was it near a railroad or something or what happened? I have no idea where it is. I don't know. My friend lives out there and she was telling me about. Let me tell you something. A lot of interesting things went happened around railroads and depots oh, yeah. and lots. Want well, having a cigarette? Go ahead. Have a cigarette. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's like, it's so, all good. Um, but you know what? When we were talking about that, that, that there's a lot of, I think, that uh, unexplored territory out there of all these places that have just, they're unknown. But I'm going to go up to Paracheney this summer, I think. To where? Paracheney. Have you never heard of Paracheney? Yes, yes. And it's in upper Michigan. You only go in there during the day. They have a lot of neat stuff around Michigan. I mean, it's pretty cold we up there, though. We do have a lot of cool stuff. <laughs> I like... do a uh, presentation on haunted Michigan. Okay. In August, and uh, I'm uh, going on a little road trip. My partner and I are going to go on a little road trip, and yes, 
let me tell you something. Those road trips are great. I love road trips. Yeah, you have a I good time. You have um, a really good time. Yeah, we have some cool places. You know, Pear Cheney. I want to hit Pear Cheney. Um, there's a couple of uh, haunted lighthouses I've heard of. I don't know how close I can get to them. I think some of them are open as museums now. And uh, I want to hit a couple of those just to check them out. I do an investigation. Just Yeah, right. No, I know exactly what you mean. Just to stroll through them and see what what comes up. See what comes who? up. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I want to do that. And, uh, you know, my daughter and I are going to go out to Connecticut, I think, this summer, this fall. That's great. Uh, well, yeah, see, I that's the thing, because up there, that's... I got, my, I got my daughter addicted to old cemeteries now. We took a road trip last... Uh... Let me tell you something. I do what I call cemetery runs. Mm -hmm. which is when I do road trips, I go through, especially some of these smaller rural cemeteries. Oh, we have a couple, we have a lot of those, you know, that you just we like have a lot of those where I live. It's a lot of, yeah. And it's really you know, interesting. I to that one day and I happened to mm -hmm. look over on top of this hills, this old cemetery. And I'm like, almost running off the road going, Ooh, yes. Yeah. Like I got it. <laughs> I know Don't what you mean. Help. Check that out. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And it's like, those to me sometimes, I mean, the city cemeteries is where you get those really beautiful monuments and the mausoleums and things like that, especially from the Victorian age. But uh, a lot of these smaller rural or sometimes family cemeteries, they're very interesting sometimes, what you find there. They are. I mean, like the one, the one in New Baltimore is, um, you know, it's a small city cemetery, but it dates back, you know, it, it holds our city founder. Okay. You know, that city founder, I mean, they go back into the, you know, 1800s. Exactly. And, that... you know, and there's just, um, I mean, that place is just spooky to begin with. You get all those trees and the big wrought iron fence. Yeah. And, um, Isn't you that, know, you hear, it's atmospheric. You hear, uh acorns bouncing off all the tombstones when you're in there in the it's like yeah let's, <laughs> let's put this in a tim burton film quick yeah exactly it's just it's just naturally lends itself to creepiness because of all the trees and the shadows yeah, and of course it's, a, it's a, um it, i get you know, it it's creepy to begin with and it's it never disappoints oh i'm but sure when you I go mean, in there, there's something happens every single time, and we we don't go in there anymore. They don't allow anyone there at night anymore. But you um, know what? And that's a shame because that's one of the things that I hate to say that this thing with uh, ghost hunting has brought on that a lot of places, well, including cemeteries, they're become vandalism. yeah, they're now they close their gates and they don't want anybody in there, and or they chase people off, and it's like. Oh yeah, we used God. to be able to go in there all the time. We'd be in there one, two o'clock in the morning. Right. And uh, no, we always, we you know, we're responsible. We always stopped at the police department. We said we're going in. Right. I'd be in there from this time to this time. You're welcome to have someone come by. You know, we gave them our driver's license to copy what cars we were in, our license right. plate numbers. You know, we were always really responsible. Right about that and i've learned over the years that if you want to learn where the really good places are to go hunt you talk to the midnight cop oh yes 
Absolutely. Um, they Abs- know afternoon and midnight. They know all the places. Yes, of course, because they get. Uh, I remember this was back in. Um, I want to say like 1999. Um, there was this cop. He had just started. He was like fresh out of the academy. So you know when they make him write two. You know with a. Uh, yeah. Like an instructor, like a trainer yeah. kind of deal. So of course they. He's that that you said that overnight bad shift kind of deal. So he says that. Uh, and I know the place exactly. It's a. It's a Catholic high school, which the grounds uh, are right adjacent. They almost share to a Catholic hospital that sits right on the bay. So it's almost like you don't know where one starts or the other, right there. And his friend, uh, the, the instructor goes, well, let's take a, let's, let's just roll through the parking lot real slow and whatever, we'll see. And he says that when they're coming around, he says, next to this playing field, like where they play soccer and stuff, there's some bushes. And he sees somebody move, like, and he's like, he tells the guy, I thought you told me there was no security out here. Because he says that he didn't really react because he was thinking it was a security guard or something. Right. And the instructor goes, there is no security out here. That's why I told you to come through. He goes, but there is. I just saw somebody that there's somebody right there behind that bush. Like a somebody moved right there. Like I saw the figure distinctly. Like I telling him, there is no security out here. Like I know this place. There's no security out here. Later on, he finds out that there was, and part of it, I don't want to say was urban myth, but then like in all urban myths, you know, there's always that little there's seed a grain of, of truth. truth. Right. In one version, there was one girl. The, 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 the girl is supposedly, she was a high school student that committed suicide. One of two things, either accidentally through an OD or suicide intentionally uh, because of a, a bad a romance that went south. And he didn't know absolutely anything about it. And she's always sighted in that area of the field and right where he had seen her. And uh, coming from any other person, I would have put it in the urban myth uh, pile. But coming from the from the person that told me and that he didn't know about the story and he thought it was something else, I believe him. Absolutely. Yeah. And those are the kind of things that you find sometimes uh, when you least expect it. From the people that are not looking to have the encounter, which their validity is like 100%. Right. Because you can tell just by looking at them that they've never had an experience before. No. And they're, they just don't even know how to process that because right. a lot of times their entire belief system has just been shaken to the core. And they oh, yes. just don't know what to do with that yet. Yes. And some of them, as a matter of fact, it's like... They'll either go into denial or, like you said, their their version of reality just went like eh, on them. Yeah, it was just turned upside down, and now they got to process it. It's and like, just, yeah, and it's like, and if they're really truthful, they go through a checklist of possibilities, and they go, no, it really wasn't that. I wish it was, but it's not this, it's not this, it's not this. And what I'm left with is, God, that was a paranormal, a ghost. What was that? And, um, yeah, it's it's incredible. Those I see, personally, I love those stories as far as, um, like you said, this, even though that place had had that reputation for, I want to say maybe 30 or 40 years, he had absolutely no idea about it. Most of the people that knew about it were, is like, if you had, were a student and went to that high school, but it wasn't, right. it was not really a well-known urban myth. Not really. 
And uh, yeah, it, I've run into a couple of those where something's happened and I've mentioned it to somebody and they've gone, oh, yeah, I remember back in the day, I remember yeah. hearing, mm-hmm. you know, that this happened there. And, and someone, yeah. you know, but it's not common knowledge. It, yeah, that it makes it's just not common knowledge. Like no one talks about it because it was just a thing that happened. And that was it. Life goes on, you know, and uh I don't know. The things that creep me out are uh, ghost animals. Yes. People don't. Some people believe I mean, in them. Not in someone's house. I can deal with those. But like I was a lot younger and uh, about my friend and we're heading to meet some other friends. And out of nowhere, there's this bloodhound. And I know I hit it with my car. Wow. I know. It, and it just really upset me. Okay. And I stopped and I couldn't see it. And there was a lot of traffic. We got to the restaurant. I was really upset. I told a couple of the guys yeah. who, if they went back and they looked and they said, there's nothing there. There's not even blood. And there's nothing. There's no blood on your car. Yeah. And it would have let no a jet. big dog like that. Like, isn't Those that incredible? Kind of wow. Just like. That you think. Expected it. Right. Exactly. And as it far as so you were fast, concerned, so this was a real animal. That you even sent somebody to check back because you were feeling so bad about it. Right. And there was nothing there. There was, and there God. was like no dead on my car. There was no blood. There was like, and isn't, nothing. yeah. And, and you know what? I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of people that do that, the, the, the ghost animal thing, they relate to it as in a pet, you know, they either hear it or they feel it on their bed or they even see it. No, I've had that happen with my own pets that have passed. Yeah. Right. But that thing that you describe where you see this animal that looks so real and you actually think you hit it. I've heard of that happening. But like I said, most ghost animals is because people describing their pet, their pet, right? their pet. And, you know, this just out of the blue random. The dog must have been hit there years ago. And Right. Exactly. <laughs> And I'm fascinated by the uh, ghost hitchhikers, like Resurrection oh, Mary. Yes. And a lot of those stories. A lot of those stories. I'm fascinated by those. Well, you know what? And I mean, I know that, um, you know, back like especially in the uh, the 70s, I mean, people have hitchhiked all along. But you remember in the 70s, hitchhiking became like in the 60s and 70s was like the way to get around was hitchhike your way wherever. Yeah. I've never done it, but yeah. No, but th- but then when you read, especially a lot of the murders that occurred, God, hitchhikers were always or the high on the list. By cars or yes, it was like there was a lot of victims of foul play, or some of them they've never been found, but or they've turned out to get be the victims of serial killers because opportunity, opportunity, right. So, and you know, even though the, a lot of these hitchhiking stories are, you know, the uh, they're usually taken for a live person and then it turns out, you know, they're not real. Or the, or later on, that person that give, gave, gives the ride finds out that there is no such living person or or that person died. But it's real. Like when yes. it happens, it's, it's real. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I've heard. I've heard one. I've heard of the version where she disappears from the car while they're driving. Like, in other words, if she sits in the back, all of a sudden they turn, she's gone. 
Then there's the one I've heard where she kind of like even turns skeletal while they're driving. And then there's the version where they kind of drop her off either at a cemetery or at a house and they're still thinking it's a real person. And there's no one there. And there's no one there. Or later on they find out that this person that they described was dead, has been dead for a long time. So there's always yeah. some version of that. I um, always wonder too, are some of them residual or is it an intelligent spirit? Well, and I almost want to say that thing about, well, depending also on the circumstances, let's say if you're yeah. able to validate who are we talking about here. Uh, yeah. It's almost like you, I think that's also the same thing as um, the human need of, I want to go home. If something bad happened to you, let's say, it's like that wanting, I want to go home. Like, right. where I, I'm safe at home. And right. Maybe you're stuck on that loop. It's intelligent, but always kind of, Stuck in that loop of replaying that loop because they, they're they always looking to get home. Yeah. Yes. You know, I just wonder if they like, they couldn't have crossed. I mean. Well, think about it. Um, you know, there's, you know how when something happens, especially let's say we're talking somebody young that maybe felt cheated because they died so young. They kind of feel cheated. And you know how you almost think, oh, well, if I would have done this instead of that. If I would have gone home, if I would have, you know. Right. So they always want to undo that last incident or decision they made that led to their death. It's really sad. It's tragic. It is. It is very tragic. It is very tragic if you're talking about an intelligent haunting. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's very tragic. But I mean, I had a hitchhiker. (laughs) It was on that same road as that house. And uh, when I was going to my friend's house, I always took the back road because I had to go like, out to drive by the house. Okay. And uh, I... From earaches to strep tests, there's Clinic at CVS. See a provider, fill a prescription, and grab essentials. Or see us online with telehealth options. That's healthier made easier. Visit Clinic at CVS today. Services vary by location. See MinuteClinic.com for details. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. Be heading east, and I'd be on the road. And when I right when I got to the cemetery, I'd go by the cemetery, and I'd look at my rearview mirror, and there'd be a gentleman sitting back there, probably from the 30s or 40s. He was portly, and he wow. had a very nice suit and a very nice brocade vest, and his little pocket watch, and mm-hmm. his um his hat, and okay, very the very, handlebar uh, mustache, waxed mustache, not uh-huh. handlebar, but yeah, very okay. well, he's very well kept, and he'd have his cane with his little, and he'd just be sitting in the back seat. And then when I got past the half half of my house, he'd disappear. Really? And then I'd pick him back up. I was coming home. I'd pick him back up at the half of my house, and when I got past the cemetery, he'd be gone. Really? Wow. And it wasn't every time. Could he have mistaken you for a chauffeur? You think? 
I don't know, but it got to be like a running joke. I'd be, you know, I'd look my rearview mirror and I'd see him and I'd go, I'll drop you off at the usual place. There's a stop sign right, right at the halfway house. And I'd stop and when I went to the stop sign, sure enough, he'd be gone. Right, because it also makes, makes you think like he was doing his gone. routine, you know, his... uh. Yeah, it was like he was going to visit someone or something. I don't know, but... And it wasn't all the time. It was just every once in a while. I think that is so neat. Every once in a while, he'd have a cigar because I'd smell a cigar. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. it's... See, stuff yeah. like that, I want to say, doesn't worry me so much because it almost seems like he's kind of like doing his thing. Yeah, he's just kind of, you know, like in, in New Baltimore when, you know... I'm there at night sometimes, and um, there's a really nice, it was a really good restaurant there, and I'll meet one of my friends, and I'll be walking back to my car, and the city's so safe. It's like, okay, it was voted one of the top 10 safest cities in Michigan. Wow. It's like just so safe, and uh, I'll be walking up the sidewalk to get back to my car, and uh, people are, in the summer, people are walking everywhere, or uh-huh. out, walking their dogs, and you know, just walking through town and uh, they don't realize how many people are actually walking with them that I see. <laughs> yeah. And uh, there's this one man, I see him all the time, not all the time, but 80% of the time. And he's wearing, you know, his little top is Victorian. Okay. And he's just strolling down the sidewalk and he knows I can see him. Oh. And he never says a word. Like when I'm going up, he's usually coming the opposite way, and he'll step back and he'll just tip his hat to me and acknowledge uh-huh. me. I'll nod to him. He never says a word, never communicates, just a, a little acknowledgement. Okay, like we're and we're here. I see you. You yeah. see me. It's all good. Yeah, yeah, got you. You know. And that's so, the thing that, and that's another thing. Like what you're describing, like the that time where let's say top hats were used, people used to walk a lot back then. It oh, was yeah. a norm. People used to either walk to do things or or a stroll. This was like the uh, the entertainment. You know, you would take a stroll. I think I get the impression that he was out having a cigar before mm-hmm. he went to bed or a pipe, and his wife probably didn't want him to have it in the house. And right, I think he just went for a little leisurely evening stroll. And yeah, um, this was. Uh... See, this it was, was like a social thing. It was an event, you know. And yes, I, I think. And I just think it's so cute because he just, we just totally acknowledged it. And, and it's been going on for years and we've never spoken a word between us and he just. Yeah, but he see, but it's almost like he's doing his thing. You don't get those, that feeling of angst or anger or unhappiness yeah, or desperation. He's, he's yeah, just he's doing totally, his thing. He's totally at peace. He's going for a relaxing evening stroll before he turns in for the night and yeah for all you know this was for him that one ritual you know that people do at the end of their day yeah that they would that was their thing this is their this is what made them feel good like okay the day is done yeah i just get the feeling that you know he would go out because you know people are out walking and Mm -hmm. you know maybe after dinner he went to one of the bars and had a couple drinks with his friends. Yeah. Or, you know, and he was just like strolling through town, having a cigar and walking home. And Well, you know what? Just... And 
That's he's, another thing, Deb. He's very relaxed. He's very at peace. He's just... Well, you know what? And it's sometimes I think we forget about it, that back then life was more leisurely in the sense of time. Mm-hmm. You know, because nowadays everybody's multitasking and doing three things at the same time. And then while you're doing them, you're thinking of the things that you need to do either later that day or the next day. And they don't do those anymore. They and your phone rings. And, you know, but back then, that was like, there was no phones. Or maybe, but it's not the same as now. Definitely no emails. Yeah. You know, but it's just little things like that I think I appreciate more now. Yeah. Of course. Of than course. I did at when I was younger. Of course. You know, I just appreciate those little, you know, and not that they haven't gotten me once or twice because... You know, they have. I, I I was in a Barnes and Noble one day, and it was pretty busy. And I'm at the you know the the bargain mm-hmm. things in this off to the side of the store, and I'm you know I, I always hit the bargain things first. Right. You never know what you're gonna find. You find little sure. gems. So I'm walking down, and there's this elderly man next to me and he goes oh you need to read that book and he pointed to this book and I picked it up and go why and he goes oh it's very good because I won't spoil it for you but he started to like and you're telling me about that and I'm talking to him we're having this big conversation <laughs> oh god and all of a sudden I look around and I realize people are looking at me and I went you're oh. a ghost aren't you and he went yep I sure am and I went oh. <laughs> <laughs> Who's that lady having that great conversation with? <laughs> Stay away from that crazy lady over there. Yeah, she's talking to thin air. <laughs> Can you imagine? Boy, he must have looked really solid. He did. But they a lot of them, like sometimes when I'm talking to people, I don't know. Uh-huh. Um, I have to reach out. I'll touch them. Right. Because I'm not sure. So, <laughs> Just in case. Sometimes I can tell, but sometimes I can't. Like that, I should have reached out and touched him. That's when I learned that. Well, let's face it. You're in a store at the bargain table. It's like, and you know what? I'm glad you you mentioned that, Debbie, because everybody thinks that the setting for seeing a ghost is like what you said, the cemetery, the spooky house, the the Victorian mansion or whatever. The the, the, the grocery store. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. The other... um, one time I was doing research, this little town up in Florida, and I was reading so some of the things that had happened. I was researching this one place. I'm going to go out of frame for a second, just so you know. Yeah. That's fine. I find out that, I want to say in the 60s or 70s, a guy finds out his wife is having an affair, runs after his wife and her lover in the Winn-Dixie, and shoots them in the Winn-Dixie. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, it's horrific, but at the same time, it's funny because I'm thinking, I wonder how many people went to that Winn-Dixie because and we're getting really weird panic attacks, okay, yeah. or seeing things in the Winn-Dixie, not knowing that maybe, of course, the Winn-Dixie's never going to, you know, say anything yeah. about it. And after a while, you know, news fades. That's This guy had been running. He ran after, especially the guy, the lover. He had run after him through the Winn-Dixie before he caught up to him and shot him, okay? Oh, my God. Would know that this happened in the Winn-Dixie. Like, you know, the supermarket. Like, yeah. So you know, yeah, you, just never know. you never know when something's gonna pop up, you know. And a lot of times it's funny, and oh, 
like that. Let me tell you something. That story about the bargain store, bargain bin <laughs> ghost. <laughs> Read that book. It's really good. <laughs> oh my God. That's great. <laughs> I know. And I went, you're a ghost. And he went, yeah, but he got this big smile like gotcha. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then he vanished. I'm just like, oh, man. So like now I've learned. You I'm not like, sure. I no matter how solid they look. And I'll touch them. <laughs> just in <laughs> case. Sure. Just in you case. Know. So are you, um, it sounds like you've got that project and you're going to do a road trip, but are you planning to do any type of presentations, Debbie, or anything like that? Or I you just don't have time for that? I have so booked. Um, I am actually at a lot of, um, well, I'm, I'm good, pretty much good till August. Okay. Um, I'm pretty open. And then I have um, a haunted Michigan presentation at a senior living, independent okay. living place. And then October, I have, gosh, cemetery talk. I well, no, I, I imagine October is like a, always a big month. I am booked. Um, Devil's Night Day, I have a presentation. Halloween, I have two presentations back to back. Okay. And then. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do Halloween night. I'm probably just going to come home and <laughs> yeah, I know. go to bed. Uh, <laughs> yeah, recovery mode. You know. um, yeah, I'm, I'm doing that. You know, stuff pops up during the, you know, during the year. You get calls, mm-hmm. you know, or you get emails. Um, there's a couple, you know, radio shows I've done in the past, podcasts I've done in the past. and. Uh, okay. Do you yeah, have your own paranormal group or do you? Um, yeah, it's um, Shadow Stalkers Paranormal. Okay, Shadow Stalkers. And do you just work in that immediate area of where you live at or do you go any further out in case somebody wanted to contact you? It depends on where the case is. I mean, we will go farther out. Um, okay. You know, but yeah, they can find us on Facebook at Shadow Stalkers Paranormal. As far as, um, I imagine the best bet is just to contact you if. If they yeah, contact me through Facebook or my emails in all my books. Okay. You, my, you have my email. You can put it up on your site. Yeah, um, I was going to put the link also to your personal website as as well, which is Debbie Chestnut, D E B I, right? Yeah, hyphen Chestnut. It hasn't been updated in months. I have to go in and update it. But okay, um, okay. I've just been so busy. But I'll I, put uh, no. I know. I know that sometimes and time and, slips uh, by you know, very quickly. Oh, Boating season's coming up in another couple months, so that's it for the summer for me. I try not to do too much during the summer. No, I can imagine because there, your your weather is during winter. I imagine a lot of things can't be done because of the snow, right? We have six months. Like we wow. pull the boat out is September to September, October, and we're out of the water till May. Okay. So you know, when summer so rolls in, I'm, everybody's like, that's it. Yay. Yeah. It's like, don't ask me to do anything on the weekends in the summer because I'm boating. I'm on my boat. Yeah. There you go. That's you know, we take the dog out swimming and because uh, water's like crack to him. So <laughs> we take uh, we take him out swimming and, uh, you no, know, I- that's, you know, well, I, you know, I, I live on the water, so. The boat's in the backyard. Right. It's like, okay, yay. No, no, I totally get it. I totally get it. You know, well, you get it. You're in Florida. I mean. I'm in Florida. So, but I understand what it must be like that these, these are the few months that I get out of the year that if I don't do it now this time and enjoy it, then I, I need gone. to. 
that's gone. Can't get it back, you know. So, um, yeah, I try not to do too much in the summer if I can, especially on the weekends. It's Debbie you know, time. I can help it because I'm yeah. boating. I'm on the boat. And, uh, yeah, I got well. a short season here, you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, so we're, you know, we're doing that. And uh, I don't know. A lot of times there's, you know, radio shows or podcasts, their guests canceled at the last minute. Mm-hmm. You know, they email me or message me on Facebook. My guest canceled. Can Save you go me. In 20 minutes. Yeah, sure. No problem. You know. <laughs> Okay, I want to keep that in mind, Debbie, okay? <laughs> keep that in mind, because I, I will do that. I always step in if they need me. That's fantastic. You know, it's happened a few times where, you know, their guest has canceled and or had happens. an unforeseen circumstance. And it happens. Yeah, it's like, can you go live? Yeah, let's go. You know, I'm like, you know, what are we going to talk about? I don't know. We'll make it up as we go. works for me. That's let's right. That's there. right. That's right. You Believe know, me, I'm sure you got plenty of interesting material to talk about. I'm sure of that. Oh, we have. Uh, we could go on for hours. You know? I, bet. <laughs> I bet. But anyway, Debbie, thank you so much for spending this time. It has been absolutely wonderful. Like I said, I could keep on talking to you for hours and hours and hours. So like I, I said, know, I'm going to. So let's go off air. We'll chat. <laughs> yeah, it has been great. It has been fantastic. And um, I will I will get a hold of you. Definitely. I'm going to put you on my you know what is it yeah emergency <laughs> emergency dial. yeah yeah thank you so much you have been absolutely wonderful you have thank no idea how wonderful you are me. okay and good luck on your new project okay thank you you too keep in touch likewise take care darling okay you too bye bye isn't she wonderful i think she's wonderful <laughs> You're like, oh, Marlene, you're so easy to please. Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't know. This has been a long interview, but it's, oh, my God. You know what? <clears throat> Again, and I've said this before, you know, when I have guests that have been doing this for so long, okay, uh, I, I, I love to speak to them, not only because they have their own stories of, like, what happened with her, that ever since she was a child, she was having experiences, uh, in other words, before she became a paranormal researcher, and then uh, she started having all these experiences as an adult, and uh, almost that it was a work in progress. One of the things that I say that in in the field of paranormal research, no matter how many books you read, no matter how many shows you look at, it will never, ever, ever take the place of field work of being out there, of knowing how to handle certain situations, or in some cases, really boring stuff where nothing happens. Um, and I'm sure by listening to her that, you know, she agrees with me that this is this is like an invaluable part of becoming a paranormal investigator. But at the same time, uh, what she described, that, that encounter that she had in that Victorian mansion as to like so it was almost like a cautionary tale because she herself admits it. I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I, I got myself in hot water because I was kind of like, I was thinking, I, I really, in other words, that she did not take the time to really research and didn't take the hints of that whatever was there was maybe not what she was used to. 
And she says, she says, you retreat, you, you back out. If you come across something that you think this is not a regular old dead person, then I need to do a, uh, let me get out of here. Uh, and some people will think, well, you're showing fear. No, that's not what it means. You're not showing fear. You are just reconnoitering and then backing out to see what is really going on. Okay. And uh, let me tell you something. She made a very good point about when you're talking about a dark entity, whether it's you know, a non-human dark entity, how easily they will take an invitation, like she said, not because you say yes, like you think of as in with another human being, like, well, if I didn't actually say you're invited, you're not invited, that they assume that the invite is extended because you don't leave. You know how they say, like, if you if you don't protest, then you're saying, okay, well, it's almost along those lines. So, yeah, it's it's not stupid to, in those situations as a paranormal investigator, to back out and then make decisions or get better information. There's no cowardice in that. Believe me. Believe me. And, I mean, I'm sure you heard her story about what happened to her for quite a while. Um, anyway, guys, I hope you like this show i loved it i absolutely love debbie i'm gonna have the links to her website she's got great she's got fiction and non-fiction books out there as you could tell she's a lecturer uh she also have i'll have the link to her website for her group uh in case anybody out there in uh, michigan or i mean contact her and i'm sure she'll let you guys know if she can help you out or if not maybe she has uh, some other reputable group that maybe she wants to refer you to. All right, she's got a lot of years of experience. So definitely somebody that you can trust in a situation like this. So guys, don't forget, subscribe so you get notifications. If you're seeing me on the YouTube or you're listening to a podcast version, visit MiamiGhostChronicles.com. Submit your true story, true believers. Don't forget about me. Catch me on Facebook. And on Twitter, I do a lot of live streaming there. I've got some fantastic guests coming up, guys. I am going crazy looking to find not only new and interesting people in the paranormal field of and all, but even people that have been around for a while, okay? Because sometimes these people, they've been producing work all along, and it's great to bring them back on and hear what's been happening in paranormal land with them. So guys, thank you so much. It's been wonderful. You're all wonderful. Have a great day. Take care. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. Welcome, we're here with Jess, who is enjoying a cozy night in. That's right, and she's lighting up. Is that candle? Triple wick pumpkin spiced, yes. Oh, she is setting the harvest mood. <gasps> is that a tasteful autumnal wreath? Someone's been to Marshall's again. Well, with quality home decor at great prices, what's stopping her? Oh, Ooh. and a cozy blanket to top it all off. That is so fall. Better get to Marshall's.
fabulous brands. Feel good prices at Marshalls. Marshalls.